Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is September the 14th of 2022. And I'm Nick, and I'm here with Quinn, and it is manga talking time, guys. It's nice to see you all again. Yeah, we got a lot of good manga to talk about. And then some manga that aren't so good, but the fact that they aren't good is what's going to make for a good discussion. Yeah, it's like, I mean, honestly, like, this is the kind of, like, content that we kind of just, like, thrive off of, because it's got a bunch of bullshit happened this week that we can you know really milk for like like some stupid laughs and stuff but there's also enough good stuff that we won't go insane by putting ourselves through that yes stuff. we and actually so. have quality manga to talk about this week and there's a lot of exciting stuff to talk about a lot of exciting things just going on in general and this yeah. is weird because normally we start weekly manga recap with like a joke or a bit but this time we're just excited to be here yeah, it's it's the most straightforward beginning of Weekly Manga Recap ever. So let's talk about wrestling for five minutes. Okay. So <laughs> You're going to have to carry a lot of this. I, I have been out of the loop on wrestling for, for a little bit now. I, 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 know, I, I know of all the, the, the major the stuff, <laughs> The stuff. The incidents. <laughs> Why are there multiple incidents? This is bad. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think anything is as fascinating as that whole thing that's been going on. I I will freely admit that for a while, I thought it was all a work. So <laughs> it's the awful thing about uh, wrestling in general is uh, sometimes you can't tell when things that are like controversies are bits or not, because oftentimes mm-hmm. that line is blurred. Like sometimes it is just a bit. Sometimes it gets turned into a bit. Sometimes the wrestlers force it to be a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you never know. I really have to go back in time and say, like, was CM Punk saying fuck Eddie Kingston over and over again on Twitter a bit? Or, or was that just him being wrong? I really don't know anymore now. Yeah. Uh, him especially, because it was him, I convinced myself for roughly a full day. Like, oh, no, this is like, he's not, he did just like decide to torpedo his own career <laughs> come on this is all so that they could get people talking and then they could you know make money off but no apparently he just did some very stupid stuff that pissed off a lot of people so <laughs> yeah well we'll see what has to come out from all yeah. that it's 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 a very yeah. ugly situation right now yeah i think that uh i mean uh, it's it's really weird because like it's the thing that's super hot right now and terms of like all of and so all the people who like you know mine any bit of wrestling news and rumor hearsay everything uh are just going on it and they're finally starting to like mine it a little bit dry because now like all the legal proceedings have come in so there's no new news coming out so they're like okay i guess we just have to wait and i was like no no but there, there might be a little bit more we've got to keep this going because this is the thing that everyone cares about right now uh because that's you know how things are on the internet is that uh you have to chase the things that people are excited about or no one will want to watch your content so uh guys we got some cool new manga to talk about as well this week uh because uh there we've got the the continuation of uh, a series that began last week and a new series as well uh and uh, so I guess that we'll we'll get into that because uh, we've uh, but to start off we're instead of a beginning we're going for 
an ending slash new beginning. Uh, starting off with Undead Unlock here. Yes, we are starting with Undead Unlock. This is chapter one, our uh, number one twenty six, Advent, and we don't get a cover page. We instead get sort of a collage of characters reacting to Ragnarok. So we see. Uh, the character no one knows, uh, the growing theory is Unburned, there with Bunny and the uh, Unlove. Uh, we see Shen there with Mui, Phil fighting like a cosmic dragon, which seems like it would be kind of a cool fight, but who cares? Uh, Creed, I believe, inside like a space base of some kind? I don't know. Or it must be on Earth, because that Earth's being attacked. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff going on. We cut around to different characters. Kind of looks like Top might be dead. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Like, there's, there's, there's a pretty brutal panel of Shin being uh, mortified about what's going on. Uh, we see Fang flying around. Good for him. Uh, Yasui just fucking vibing in the middle of the woods, being like, hey, I'm going to go out like I went in. Look at these tree stumps. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and finally, we eventually get to Ruin, who's just like, aha, it's starting the final Ragnarok. And uh, uh, Fuko is, of course, like, door for 11 minutes no i i gotta fight too if i if i my uh unlock attacks with andy we should be able to and juez is like no once arc starts charging if you left the seat it would force it to reset so you have to just believe and wait here and she's like all right let's go andy and Fuko just starts feeling really bad. She's like, it's always like this. Ever since that day, I hugged Mong and Dad. The people I cherish the most always disappear from my life. And before she can really get down, I thought too much. Andy calls out to her and runs up and gives her like a big hug. And I like Apocalypse. He was just like, hey, don't use the sacred round table for a host for your makeout sessions. <laughs> um, it is not a makeout. Also, also. I still hate you all. I'm not part of this team. <laughs> I want everyone to know. Uh, Andy wants to make it very clear to Foco. He's like, hey, don't tell me this late in the game that you're blaming yourself for everyone dying or whatever. You can't even kill me good enough. So don't act like you're some god of death. All we need to do right now is grab hold of that baton that everyone has passed to us. So that the two of us can go through the loop, get stronger and come out on top next time. And they're like, all right, cool. That's what we're going to do. Uh, Andy heads out of there because he's about to get a massive stroke of unlock at this point. Uh, and he just shouts out, Fuko, it's just 4.6 billion years. I can live that long if it means seeing you again. And I don't know why. Aww. There's something so cheesily romantic about that. I love it. And in classic Andy fashion, he says, catch on the flips. <laughs> Andy is, is so dorky and yet still not like a loser i don't know how to describe it but then my, my guy my guy has lived through billions and billions of years but he, his lingo is exactly always the worst part of the 90s <laughs> imagine if he were just like from a very slightly different period how much less endearing he would be <laughs> <laughs> i'll see you later you filthy hippie <laughs> catch you on the arches there kiddo i'm like what <laughs> Um, Fuko is left alone when someone shows up, and it is Luna, the bean from the moon. And uh, Fuko is like, Exalt, or who are you? And they just say, Exalted one. New first seat unlock. Fuko is Zumo. Let us chat for a while. Uh, we cut away from that, though. Andy and Juez launch out of the base 
they see this this glowing crater like thing it extends beyond the panel you can't see and just like so that's it yes that is god sun and we just see the sun with a black body hanging off of it that is covered in presumably eternally popping lava boils almost yeah and they just says the one who validates this world and we get like in the margins of the page time until arc mobilizes 10 minutes 50 seconds or 30 seconds so wild 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 stuff oh yeah uh they're gonna kill the sun yeah, the final goodbye between uh, Fuko and uh, and Andy is great. Uh, I love that he's just this huge guy and he just full, fully glomps her uh, and knocks the chair over uh, that she's sitting in. Uh, I love, you know, you can see her like limbs trailing behind them as she gets tackled with the momentum of it. Uh, there's a very sweet and sincere goodbye between them. And then we see... um. The sun enemy, which is, I love the visual of this thing, this just silhouette that is seemingly just made of lava, and I love the detail of it. It's just this completely black, featureless uh, body, no face, but there's the detail of all the heat boiling off of it so that it doesn't just look like a plain black shape. It's very cool. It's absolutely awesome. This is a great character design, a great reveal, how you just spend the panel. Because you just see, like, this impact, essentially, for a while. You see, like, this big ball, and then, like, when you're seeing it, it's kind of, like, hanging off the panel. And when you finally see, like, oh, and there's just little... Like, you want to say it's a little tiny man, like, silhouette, but then you see, like, in the final panel, it's humongous, and you're like, ah, it's just very terrifying. Like, this this feels like a Persona boss. Yeah, and then uh, I love the final page of Juiz and Andy looking all cool as they head off to, yeah, fight the sun. Cool. Uh, really good stuff. I'm, I'm super excited uh, to see where this goes. Well, I'm not excited for the next couple chapters because I feel like the next couple chapters are going to make me sad. If, like, the shot of seemingly top, if not dead, then, like, severely injured or hurt is already, like, a catalyst to me being like, I hate this. I don't want to watch this anymore. Um, yeah uh especially because um yeah it's there's gonna be a lot of people burned to death it seems like too so that'll be fun yeah uh all right that's it let's talk about uh chainsaw man it's chapter 104 spoiler uh, we open this chapter with uh, Yoru <laughs> it in... It just got As- why it's called that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, this is a wild goddamn chapter. I was not expecting the direction that, that go, this chapter goes in. And yet when it did happen, I was like, no, this all makes perfect sense. Uh, so Yoru ha- is temporarily in control of Asa's body. And she is a- at home, safe, in bed throwing a tantrum just punching her pillow screaming into the pillow throwing a fit and she's just really pissed off that they got saved by chainsaw man uh asa (laughs) is apparently very calm after the whole near-death experience thing and she's just like i'm trying to sleep right now (laughs) be quiet uh 
she asks Yoru why she hates Chainsaw Man, uh, and Yoru is quiet for a moment before replying, well, I fought him a long time ago. And Chainsaw Man just gets back up no matter how many times you kill him, so I lost to him. And the next thing I knew, he'd eaten from my body, which weakened me. He's the reason there hasn't been a single war since the World War. Which, the phrasing of that is um, revealing. Well, we do know that Nazis were eaten. So it would, yeah. <laughs> it would stand to to make sense that all of World War II was probably devoured Just, at some point. Yeah. Uh. But as a result of that, there's been no major conflict at all in the world. It's just something that's the subject of movies and video games now. And as a result of that, people don't fear war as much anymore. And so Yoru, as the war devil, grew weaker. And then things get weirdly sad because Yoru says that at this rate, everyone's going to forget me. Which, <laughs> oh, the manifestation of war is afraid of being forgotten. Um, that, that seems like it should be a good thing, but I feel kind of bad for it. Oh, war. <laughs> oh, just let them have just a little war. Just a little, little war. Yeah. What is it good for? Well, I mean, for her, it, know, keep, it keeps the war devil happy. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> President Bush in his list of reasons to invade Iraq. He's like, he keeps the war devil happy, guys. Like it's right beneath like oil question mark. <laughs> <laughs> All the people who are like, this is all like completely unjustified. This intelligence is clearly like faulty. We're getting involved in things. We don't have any allies in this situation. I do feel kind of bad for the war devil, though. He is right about that. The war, de war devil hasn't done much to hurt. Uh, I mean, bad. I guess he has, but like, look at the little guy. It's <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, so. But Yoru says all that, and then Asa asks, are, are, are you afraid of being forgotten? And there's just a beat as she's staring at Yoru, and then she's like, what the hell? You're asleep? You were just screaming, what the <laughs> There are so many great reaction panels in this chapter, and that beat page is definitely another one of those of her being like, you afraid of dying? What the fuck? Did you go to sleep? <laughs> like, like the face of just like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, Asa is left for once, you know, completely alone in this moment. And so she thinks to herself that, you know, for a while she didn't care if she died. But now she's glad she didn't die. And she just quietly thanks Chainsaw Man for saving her. Yep. Meanwhile, Chainsaw Man's a chair right now. Uh, the great hero, Chainsaw Man. Um. <laughs> uh, Denji is letting some girl just sit on him. Uh, not in a sexy way either. He, well, maybe for him it is, but not in the traditionally sexy way. I'll put it that way. Um, he is acting as a, cha a full on chair for her. Uh, but some guy comes in and says, Hey, some tall, pretty boy is asking for you. And of course it's Yoshida. Uh, and Denji's like, leave me alone. 
Why was that chair? Why was that girl sitting on you? Because for ten yen, I'll let I'll be a chair for ten minutes. That's so little money, Denji. That's so little. It's, it's <laughs> astonishing. Like, like at least get like a dollar, like yeah. a full dollar. <laughs> For 10 minutes. 10, ten minutes, minutes is a lot. <laughs> if you even did a dollar for 10 minutes, you're still not making minimum wage for being a yeah. chair. It's so demeaning. Um, so the reason Yoshida called him out uh, is because like, oh, yeah, you you dropped your student ID when you were fighting the cockroach devil. And Denji grabs the ID away from me. He's like, Damn it! Yoshida's like, yeah, I know you left it behind on purpose so that they would find out you were a chainsaw man. Stop doing this. I have to, my goal is so that you live in peace. You can't reveal your chainsaw man, and I will stop you if I have to. Well, if you try to stop me, you're dead. I gotta go back to being a chair now. I love Yoshida's so response. It's like, how do I continue this conversation? How about I pay to be your chair now? That's ridiculous. I'm not going to let a dude sit on me, give some money, sit in chair now. It's just so little, so little self-respect. Oh, God. I mean, like, at least it's... That's ten bucks that he's giving him. That's That's okay. That's a lot of money, so... Um, so, uh, yeah, and, uh, but Denji's like, I'm still gonna let people find out I'm Chainsaw Man, and Yoshida says, alright, are you doing this because you want a girlfriend? And Denji says, yeah! So, Yoshida has a brilliantly straightforward thought, which is, alright, I'll help you get a girlfriend, <laughs> so you don't have to let people find out you're Chainsaw Man. <laughs> Uh, so, Deji's like, alright, you're on! Okay, Deji, what's your type? Girls who are desperate for a boyfriend. And so, it's another great reaction panel can be like, hmm. Oh, I know somebody who's desperate for a boyfriend. This is fucking, it's so simple. But so brilliant because the next panel is just they're hanging out with Asa. And it's like, oh, right. When Yoshida met Asa for reasons unknown to him, she, for no reason, demanded he be her boyfriend. <laughs> so in his mind, she's perfect. He's like, oh, yeah, I got the perfect girl. <laughs> so. They apparently just like came and just started eating lunch next to her, and she's really bothered by this because she wanted to be alone because you know she's into social outcast and everything. Uh, they very briefly mentioned that Yuko is you know out because you know her leg is hurt, so she's out with an injury. Uh, Yoshida asks her about, oh yeah, hey, is that rumor true about you being ch- saved by a chainsaw man? She says, yeah, pretty much. And then she, uh starts to engage with her now and says, oh, oh, he, he saved you, huh? And Yoshida's like, oh, let me introduce you guys. This is Denji. I think he wanted to talk to you because he really likes Chainsaw Man. Which is not the best foot to start off because Asa's just kind of like, really? Uh, and Denji's like, yeah, you like Chainsaw Man? And Asa says, well, I, I used to hate him, actually. 
but uh, these days I'm, 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 I'm neutral. I mean, he did save me and everything. Uh, and Denji's like, well, why'd you hate Chainsaw Man? And Asa is reluctant to answer first because, you know, Denji likes Chainsaw Man. But she says, like, I mean, you know, he's he's always covered in blood and gore, so he's kind of gross. And Denji's like, well, he bathes, you know? <laughs> it's, it's such, so this entire exchange is fucking phenomenal. It's just so, like, you know, he bathes. <laughs> But she's also like, you know, like he's got a chainsaw man sticking out of his head. He makes him look like he's an idiot. He, 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 also, I love this note, and it did not occur to me. But yeah, when we saw Denji saving the cat earlier, apparently the reason he didn't save any of the humans that were in danger were because they weren't cute girls. <laughs> there were grannies in that car, but he does. He's like, those are old people. I don't no, know. no, no, they're old. They're old. So yeah, she points out like he's only, he, the only people he ever saves are women. So he's blatantly horny and gross. And then she says he's got a pure heart. <laughs> uh, and she's like, yeah. And people say he eats cats and dogs. He would never eat cats and dogs. And doesn't he eat people too? He's a devil. What? No way. And even if he did, it was just the one time. <laughs> If there's the best joke of WMR for the year, it is this moment right here. We're just like, does he eat people too? No way he never eats people. And if he did, it would have just been that one time. <laughs> right, I I did eat Makima premeditatively. <laughs> his, his little fucking, his arm pout. And it's like, not even if he did, it would have just been the one time. This Fuck is you. the idiot de- this is the idiot Denji I come for, okay? Yeah. Not not this you know, like, oh what a girlfriend, but like he's like, no <laughs> once It's so fucking funny. He doesn't have to defend it. No one knows he ain't mocking up. <laughs> he just can't tell a lie. He's too pure. He's really he's like he's being honest in his defense. He's like, and even if he did it was so asa fortunately just kind of like fills in the gaps and says like oh you're just jumping to his defense because you're a fan of his you're not willing to acknowledge all of his faults and all this stuff anyway all the stuff you're saying you don't actually know chainsaw man and and i I freaking hate that and then she's like well fine i'll tell you how i know i'm gonna say it i'm just gonna finally say it and that'll show you and Yoshida doesn't even try hard to stop him. He just kind of goes, Denji. <laughs> but we get a full page spread of Denji, like, cockily turning and putting his hand to his chest and going, I know all that because I'm Chainsaw Man. I know everything Chainsaw Man's thinking because I am him. You get it? And Yoshida doesn't say anything because he knows what, how this is going to go. Asa looks at him for a second, and I think that what's going through her head is, are you being serious right now? (laughs) And then she just says, loser, and she walks away. (laughs) 
second the the triumph slowly fades from Denji's face as Yoshida has to point out the most obvious thing in the world, which is no one's going to believe you if you just say that. And he's got to be like, oh, I am Chainsaw Man, though. And she's gone. She's gone. That's the end of the chapter. Asa's walking away from you because you're a loser. So It's a very, very funny chapter. Um, I do like seeing Denji and Asa interact. I'm excited to see more of it. Um, good stuff. All right. I just like the comedic situation we have right now as Yoshina is like this <laughs> beleaguered babysitter to Denji who is just smarter than him. So he like he knows how to manipulate him into a situation. Just watch yeah. it go. It's, it's just very funny. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of crazy to, to have this interaction where we had all this stuff where also was built up very tragically as this person with no friends uh, could connect with anyone has horrible uh, anxiety about being around people. And then Denji is such a goober that she mean girls him. Like he's so <laughs> incompetent that the biggest loser in school is like, this guy is a loser. This guy sucks. <laughs> so yeah, incredibly funny chapter was not expecting to actually just have a full on conversation this early, but the director took was insanely entertaining. So, all right, Nick, from one high to another, let's talk about Eden <sighs> Zero, Chapter 207, To Shine. So we open with uh, Laguna, who has flown their spaceship out of Dead End Crow and is like, hey, where's Clean? Hermit's like, Laguna, she got shot down. Oh, no, is she OK? I don't oh, know. No. We'll have to find her. What's going on inside? It's like Jin's on their way to the power source because of Jen who's surrounded by a bunch of robots and he's like my joints are giving out I guess I can only do so much without Aether but now it's time to cut back inside as we deal with the confrontation between Holy and Cure now I don't want to get ahead of myself here but Cure is an incredibly disappointing stupid character so I don't want to give the benefit of calling them by a reasonable name so I'm going to start calling Cure just like a dumb name like Heilong or something like that and just, you know, go with it, because that's that's more amusing me. So, hey, Long is just like, ah, I don't I, really get it, but OK, <laughs> you know, maybe no one will get it. Maybe only a small <laughs> portion of our foreign audience will understand what I'm doing here. Um, Holy is just like, oh, this is great. Like, you're here. We could find Crow's power source. And then hey, Long's is like, <laughs> just like <laughs> stomach with a finger. <laughs> And Holy's like, what the fuck? And Long's like, I am the power source. Yeah, or maybe I should say, I'm Dead End Crow's main body. And he's like, goes on to explain. He's like, oh, if you had never made it this far, you wouldn't have had to have found out about the balance. <laughs> and he begins yep. to give a gigantic speech about <laughs> balance. He says, the universe needs good and evil and i am good and evil does that make sense for the interstellar army to shine brighter than the galactic darkness is essential you, you gotta do this you know long before you were appointed on the erasion ses interstellar I was creating all kinds of darkness and then eliminated myself to make a shrine. And Holy's like, you created darkness. And Cure is just, or, sorry, Hey Long is just like, yes. Yeah, yeah, gotta, gotta get it right, Quinn. Gotta, gotta, get, it right. gotta get it right. <clears throat> I was just like, tell me, what is the purpose of our existence? To save the universe, 
then we need an evil to save it from, of course. So I created Draken Joe and Nero. I apparently created a pair of dice that were never wrong. And I gave it to them, letting the darkness grow larger and larger. And then I erased it, thus bringing us closer to life. Although I wasn't really, I don't know if I was present in either of those situations. I'm just going to take credit for those things. It was all me. It was all me. But I did both of those. And of all my creations, Dead End Crow was my greatest masterpiece. His darkness is so deep, deep and true. Twisted. I he's really big he's so deep and twisted <laughs> he's real big but he's also creepy <laughs> he just says I always knew that you would be the one to beat him today so that we could shine but today is not that day I'll not allow you to alter my plans and the holy's of course like what the fuck we're fighting these things risking our lives and you created them and Halong is just like not all of them, of course. Ziggy and Actuella were villains in their own rights. And all I had to do was give Elsie and Knox bad names to make them into villains. Which is What does he mean by that? <laughs> so I guess he just went to like the Universal Council for Bad Guy deciding and he was like I don't like that Elsie or that Knox. Let's make them She both seems th- like she seems like she's mean. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, like I, I, I guess there was like a meeting at some point to decide on the Erasion Six Galactica, and he was just there to be like, I don't know, like why don't we get? I don't like Elsie Fucker. She should be on there. <laughs> and what about Knox? Like, didn't she just like lead a church? Like, yeah, but uh, fuck him, fuck him, put him on the list, <laughs> on the list. They said that your skirt made you look fat. Oh. <gasps> I heard, I, at least that's what I heard, I think, so. Oh, they should go to the top of the list then. In Absolutely. Fact, oh, God, I hope he was just like, and I, that's why I created a dude whose sole purpose in life is just hunt Elsie down. I created everything. <laughs> I literally named him Justice. Do you know how stupid that is? <laughs> I, I wasn't very creative that day. <laughs> I wasn't creative when I named anyone on this team. <laughs> I made a dude to erase people. I called him Eraser. Uh, he just I'm says, trying to keep it together. I'm trying to keep it together. <laughs> and he just says, that's what makes Crow a real masterpiece. But we cut He's away. He's so big! <laughs> we cut away. We can't find out that revelation yet. We can't. We have to go to the outer space part where Eraser, of course, is talking with Feather and she's like, hey, Eraser, there's something wrong with my eyes of Venus. I cannot accurately determine someone's location. He's like, all right, we'll just have Cure Fix it then. All I do is erase stuff. All I do is erase stuff. Yeah, it I, is my name. It's in my name, guys. That's all I want Eraser to show up in every chapter and for his catchphrase to be like, he'll say something. And then once a chapter, he'll just say, all I can do is erase stuff. It'll be like his, I'm a doctor, not yeah. a blank. <laughs> so, someone's like, we need to open that door. He's like. Open a door. Oh, I- All I do is erase stuff. <laughs> They're like, technically, you could erase the door. You could like, erase the door. Yeah, but, you know, you won't be able to shut it, and then, like, a, a cross breeze will come in. You'll feel cold. And, you know, if you if you like want to put the AC on, then, like, you'll constantly be paying more, and bugs would come in, so you don't want to erase the door. All I can do is erase stuff. Sorry. <laughs> so. Feather has explained that they are not talking on a, can- a channel that has Cure on it because the person they're referring to 
is cured. Their ship is completely unmanned as far as their eye can see. So, so we cut back over. What? Cure's not in their ship? Whoa. What? <laughs> so Hey Long explains their stupid backstory of like, yes, the bloody Atmos Day. I did, I did it. <laughs> mysterious Titan. Pretty much. <laughs> a mysterious Titan showed up, squashing everybody and maniacally laughing over a million dead. And then... I all the women were hung up for his sick entertainment. I made a creepy. It's not a sex thing, but kind of am suggesting it was a sex thing because that's how evil this guy was. Ooh, just the worst. Again, I don't think Hero kind of understands scale that much because he's like, "Well, this guy was the worst. Over a million dead." I'm like, "Didn't Nero have an entire solar system?" Or like even more like a cosmos that he ruled over. Like how many more people suffered under that guy? If you're trying to say, I mean, like a despot. Remember when there was the giant intergalactic battle, Quinn, yeah. and then they said like over a thousand people died. It was like, yes, yes, yeah. we know, <laughs> we saw <laughs> a planet blew up. <laughs> so they're just like, yes, all the women were were strapped to these things and and forced to just sit there, and they all died except for me. And uh, Long is just like, yes, that was when the story was established, that you would be the light to eventually defeat Crow. Which is like, like, what is your fucking ether gear? You better have some fucking Hunter's Guild fucking I write the story bullshit power. Because it's like, (laughs) how do you determine this? Like, how do you know? What if her fucking ether gear sucked? Like, what if she got her power? She's like, I can sprinkle things with salt. And you're just like, oh, (sighs) shit. You were supposed to be the paladin who killed Dead End Crow. God. He was like, yes, that was a day when darkness was born. A day seeds were sown to make us shine brighter. And of course, Holy is just like this fucking you gave like my sister died for this deranged idea. A million innocent people died for this. And Halong was just like, how many times do I have to repeat myself? It's for balance. Yo, I got to got to have to balance that good and that evil. And Holy is, of course, like this is fucking stupid. Good people don't create evil. They're all evil. Punches Halong. Yes, which is why I am good. And even <laughs> look at me playing both sides. <laughs> so she punches him in the face. He goes flying, and of course he's just like, but without evil, we would have no reason to. She's like, stop associating me with you. And he's like, well, it doesn't matter because without your ether gear, how can you stop me? And in that moment, her ear ticker activates because we cut outside and she's fine. Cleve's fine. She got punched by a giant into the earth. And she's just like, oh, little bruise. Oh, (laughs) she got spiked into the planet. She's just got some dirt scratches on her. She's just like, don't worry, I can still cancel cancel his ether gear canceler. <laughs> it's fucking wild. Uh, we got inside, Holy's he's like, oh, thank goodness, Jin's sister's alive, so they'll start their fight. <laughs> That's the chapter. Man, it's such a fucking suck. Dude, who gives a shit about Holy? Like, what was this chapter? 
dude. This isn't like a twist. This isn't like a crazy no, reveal. No. no one knows this guy. I mean, this is the kind of twist that if you pull it out of context, you tell someone that like has never read any Eden Zero, never read any of like Mashima Hero's entire canon of stuff, and you tell them, yeah, so uh, the hero goes in this base and it turns out her ally is there. Her ally reveals that he actually caused the traumatic is in her childhood because he's got this warped sense of what makes people good. He thinks that good people need to have bad people to oppose them. So in order to make his order really, really good, he actually invented villains and gave them power so that they could oppose themselves. So like, that's a giant cataclysmic story altering twist this just thrown at the 20th most important character in this story to make her story slightly more complex than it was when it was just like oh a bad person you know killed my family it's like no a different bad person killed my family is basically what it amounts to all this effort to set up some guy that We've never met before, have no context for why he's important, except that he's part of the same group that Holy is. Ooh, the Eurasian says Galactica, Interstellar, whatever the fuck, whichever one it is. And oh, he invented one of the members. And I also invented those guys over there. Take my word for it, I guess. It has no bearing on their stories. It's so, like, the closest thing I can compare this to is when Bleach was like, oh, the Higoku was behind everything, and Aizen was kind of quietly manipulating it to make sure all these events happened, which is also not a great twist. These are fantastically difficult twists to make satisfying because it it, it it places everything into a whole new context and oftentimes to a very unsatisfying degree but at least in that case where it's like all right well this was supposed to be the explanation for or he and chad got their powers there were question marks there there was never a single person who questioned how did emperor nero get to power how did drac and joe get it like these aren't like this isn't like a reveal that changes things it just makes sure it's like how how did he do these things like did he did he give nero his artifact dice which are supposedly like pieces of mother or something like that like what does that mean what does that context suggest like no one questioned why like yeah it was a little weird elsie was listed on like the list of criminals but like it also kind of created this context of like all right, the Eurasian Six Galactica aren't really criminals. It's just like these are the most influential people in the galaxy. And now it's him like, no, I had to do this because I'm just a devious little so-and-so and I wanted evil to flourish. You're like, then why aren't all of them serial killers? Why are those nor like, why are there? Ri- there was just a normal ass lady on that list. She just was in a church. Like, what? What, like, what does that mean? It's almost like a different writer came in for this for this to introduce this element because of the uh, retroactive uh, continuity that gets added here of like, oh, no, no, it was it was me who brought Draken Joe to power and stuff like, well, why did you name Nero and Draken Joe? It's like, well, because those guys are dead and no longer relevant to the story. But he's got to clarify. Oh, but but Noella and Ziggy, who are selective villains, no, I didn't create them. They rose independently because because, you know, if we just say that those two are a result of him, there's like, oh, well, who cares about them? They're just this loser made them It's like, no, we don't have to care about them. It's such uh, it and it, ultimately none of it matters because this guy will be presumably dead in like five chapters tops yeah, like he, he's <laughs> just a normal ass fairy tale villain at this point, like or hero villain at this point, like this this guy's not going to be memorable you're just going to be like oh yeah like at some point down the line like some, somewhere down the line i'm going to quiz you on villains from fucking 
Keaton Zero, and you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember that. Uh, what was his name? Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> It was what were you calling him? Hey Lung, come on. Hey Lung, yes. <laughs> it's German for cure. Okay. I like so. the idea that when it goes to uh, Black Clover and a German name comes up, I'll do everything in my power to change it to something easier. But in this series, I'm disrespecting it by just going to a German name. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, there's, I don't know. I, the, like... Part of me's like, I don't know, man. It's dopey. But, like, I hate this character archetype as a whole. Like, the idea of, like, a cosmic entity that exists to create balance. So it constantly creates conflict. It's it's always something that I find extremely disappointing and boring to read. Uh, and then this was just a bad hero version of it. Yeah, pretty much. It yeah. sucked. Okay. All right. Okay, let's uh, move on then to Akane Badashi. Story 29, A Wonderful World. A cool picture of all of the uh, Alashikama's apprentices hanging out together. Is that the breakfast club? It is. I think it is. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it is the breakfast club. Um, hmm. Hmm. I'm trying to I'm trying to see he's fine as the Judd Nelson. <laughs> I don't know if I dig her as the Anthony Michael Hall character. Uh was Anthony Michael Hall the nerd or was he the jock? Uh hang on, let me look at it. I'm blanking on it. Uh yeah, she's 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 playing the nerd character in that shot. Yeah, I just uh, I, I couldn't remember and, who. Yeah, no, Emilio and, Estevez was the nerd. He was Anthony, the jo- he, no, no, no. Emilio, Emilio Estevez was Emilio the jock. Emilio Estevez was the jock. Anthony Michael Hall was the nerd. So I don't I don't know if I dig her yeah. in the Emil or the uh, Anthony Michael Hall role. I feel like that's where history dude should be. But you know, can't one of them. Yeah, I could I could do that. I think that they, I think that it was just a matter of composition of having her in the middle. Oh, but absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do love this cover page. It's good. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, competition's over. The interview between, uh, well, interview the conversation between Akane and uh, and uh, Isho Arakawa is over, and uh, so Akane is uh, riding the train along with Kuriko and uh, and her teacher. And she's clearly deep in thought. Her teacher's kind of worried about her, wondering what she's thinking about. She's like, I can't really, you know, ask her what, what the conversation was about. Uh, and she's kind of worried because, like, man, you know, all this Rakugo stuff, it's way more demanding than, than I thought it was. They arrive at uh, Shigama's home. Uh, and her Kai's teacher is, is, is like, I mean, I know it's, you know, proper to visit your, your master's home to report on this stuff, but I don't really know why I'm here and Greco says, well, apparently he wanted to meet you, too. Uh, but uh, before they can uh, carry on that conversation, uh, the final of uh, Akane's fellow apprentices uh, shows up. Uh, Maikeru, uh, who is the long haired guy who is uh, wearing a Hawaiian shirt. And he says, like, yeah, yeah, Master Shigama is out working. Uh, and uh, we get a bit of an introduction to to Mike Haru, and he's uh, he's the eldest brother of uh, of all of them. Man, and this he's is the been... one. This is the one I I said was the boy I would date in the harem game. Uh-huh, you pick okay. nerd. You pick nerd boy. 
So gotcha. That sounds like me. So, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, so he, he's uh, he starts to kind of like be a little bit uh, um, hard on Akane, being like, "Yeah, I heard you were in that student rocket competition. I feel kind of left out because you didn't tell me about it." And so Akane starts to apologize. He's like, no, "No, no, 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 no! I wasn't fishing for an apology or anything. I'm just saying you need to do something for me." And then they immediately sit down to have a drink together, and uh, they've got uh, you know snacks and stuff. There's beer out. Uh, Akane is clearly taken aback by all this. Like, wait, 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 what's going on? And what? Why are we doing this? And Vicarious says, like, well, you know, I mean, I know that you were just in a student competition, but hey, you know, you still won after that uh, with that limitation that Master Shigeba gave you. So you did fantastic. You overcame the odds. So we're going to celebrate your hard work. Uh, and. <laughs> Akane's reaction to this is to kind of stare at him and just think to herself, but you didn't do anything. <laughs> you didn't do you weren't involved in this arc to begin with. Uh, Kokuma says, like, look, don't overthink what he's doing. He just wants to drink. It, it, it's fine. So uh, Then we find out that Mikeru, uh refers to Kokuma as a teddy bear because that's kind of what Kokuma sounds like in Japanese. Uh, and Kokuma gets really upset. It's like, it's like, don't call me that. I've told you not to call me that. Um, Akane's teacher feels really awkward, especially when Maikeru starts to flirt with her, which makes sense. They're seem like they're roughly equivalent ages. Uh, and uh, I love the comment that he makes because Kokuma's like, come on, she, she's a teacher, leave her alone. And Maikeru says, every woman has an equal right to fall in love with me, which is. <laughs> He's all about agency. They all deserve the That's chance. Right. <laughs> uh, Kyoji shows up then, and uh, he's got uh, he he's got a he's got a little present for a guy. This might be my favorite detail in the chapter because uh, Miku, the boss at the Ubi shop that Akane helped out with, heard about uh, Akane's win and gave her gave her a little present. Isn't yeah. that nice? It's very sweet. Exceptionally sweet. Yes. Um, and uh, Kyoji, you know, kind of starts to bring her out of her show because he's like, hey, look, I know you might not be in the mood uh, for what's going on here, but people here want to celebrate your success. And there's nothing better in the entire world than that. If there's any time to forget about your troubles for a bit, shouldn't it be now? Uh, and then Guriko gives him a drink and he immediately passes out on the floor <laughs> because he's re- just really, really, really bad at handling alcohol, apparently. Uh, but, uh, when, and Kyoji does recover, uh, but he is, uh, immediately like, we should dance because he's drunk off his ass. And he says that everyone should do the Kapori folk dance. Uh, and, uh, Mike is all for it. He's like, I'll play the Shabisen. And they start all causing a ruckus while Kai starts to panic. Uh, and as this is happening, we can, you can see Master Shigama's feet approaching as things get more and more hectic. He comes through the door while uh, Kyoji is dancing around. Mikeru is getting a shamisen out. People are arguing. And they all slowly turn to look at their master, who's looking at them all in grave disappointment, and says, Look at all of you. What is this disgraceful mess? If you're going to dance, put your soul into it! And like it's such really a intense. like a comedically jokey face too. You're like, this is a side of the series I don't think I've seen. No, it's a very different chapter for the series. Um, 
Mike Arrow uh, also, you know, he's tooting his Shami Sin. He says, like, he says to Akane, you know, if you're going to be an entertainer, you need to put your all into enjoying and giving enjoyment. And, you know, like, do you know how to play any instruments? Do you know any dances? Akane's like, uh, no. And he says, well, you know, singing, dancing, music, acrobatics, being broadly skilled in the arts gets you far. Rakugo is not such a straightforward discipline that you can become a master just by practicing how you speak. My point is, you've got to try out some other things, too. And so Akane stands up and they start to celebrate together. Uh, we've got Koguma playing the drums. Mike Arrow is playing the shamisen. Uh, Shigama and the other apprentices are all dancing the kapore, and, and Akane's teacher is clapping along. It's very, very sweet. Nice big two-page spread of them all celebrating together. Nice. Some time passes. Uh, the apprentices and Akane's teacher leave. Uh, Kyoji is being supported. Uh, and that leaves Akane together with Shigama and uh, he says, I hear you won the Karaka Cup. Well done. And Akane just cuts to the point and says, Isho Arakawa told me the reason he expelled dad. So Shigma tells her to pull up a seat so that they can have a chat. And uh, it looks like we're getting going to get right back to doing some important, serious plot stuff. So, Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Good chapter. This is not like a high stakes chapter or one with a whole lot of like plot to it. We do get to meet Mike Guru for the first time. Uh, really meet him, I should say. Uh, and, you know, it's it's fun. It's nice seeing them have fun. And I, I do like the idea of like, hey, this this is also like a notion of like you should expand your skill set, Akane, because there are things you can use to like utilize more stuff. And it's just like good to get like a moment to like stop in the story and just like have fun. So yeah, yeah I liked it. You know, the big tent stuff all happens like, yeah, let's give have some time to enjoy it before we move on to is like, all right, now the next part of our plan to get revenge or whatever, you know, the uh, goal we have in mind long term for a kind It's like, yeah, let's let's stop and spell throws this for a little bit. And it is very, very cute to to see the them all uh, playing and, and dancing together. Yes, absolutely. All right. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about aliens area. Oh man, it's got an introduction. Yeah. Oh no, Quinn, that's a very long introduction. Are you going to be able to do that every time we talk about aliens area <laughs> for the next thirteen years or however yeah, long? That's right. <laughs> Chapter number fourteen. Light my fire. Oh, that's bad taste. Don't do that. <laughs> So, a mysterious flame-setting dickhead has come in and murdered the fuck out of Akina and the aliens that she was taking care of. Uh, Tatsumi looks at him just standing over their burning corpses and says, What the hell are you doing? It's like, He's standing over there burning corpses, dude. Like, I kind of felt like this was pretty self-apparent what I was doing. I didn't really think I needed to explain it more, but all right. Yeah, he he, he goes for like a cool bastard line because he says, you could say I'm settling an old debt. Uh, Tatsumi's kind of in shock. He, can, he can't really believe that, you know, there's burning corpses behind him. Uh the guy reveals that he has a a, a 
tool which takes the form of like a zippo lighter uh but it's you know the source of you know like some sort of fireball attack uh so uh shigama uh not shigama shiraku uh uses his uh gravity thing to push tatsumi out of the way so that the fireball harmlessly goes past him he calls for backup right away uh and the attacker gets on his cell phone uh gets in touch with uh someone and says like yeah uh i took care of the job killed the defactor exterminated the aliens foreign affairs five started me spotted me yeah okay uh, i'll avoid them cool i'll be leaving now uh tatsumi tries to stop him and chiraku immediately just says don't go after him because we need to lock down the area there's regular civilians around and we can't let them see the alien bodies Fair enough. So that happens. Uh, the guy is still on the phone. And he's like, what? No, not tonight. All right, just a little. I'll meet up with you for drinks, but only until the last train of the night, okay? So Tatsumi, of course, gets really pissed off because the guy has just committed arson and murder uh, and is just casually talking about getting some drinks with his boss. How could uh, he? Uh, what an asshole. So Tatsumi again is like, how dare you? And goes to run after him. And Chiraku's like, stop, Tatsumi. And Tatsumi just stops in his tracks because I guess he's immediately whipped. Uh, Chiraku does nothing to stop him. He just immediately freezes. Uh, and he's like, look, we need to handle the scene of an incident. Uh, that's the rules of Foreign Affairs 5. And Tatsumi's like, oh, are you kidding me? And the guy says... Your organization sucks. Your rules impede the accomplishment of your goals. You talk big about humans coexisting with aliens, but not only do you let both humans and aliens die, you're also letting me escape. A3, on the other hand, is pure and simple. We hate aliens, so we want to kill all of them. Compared to you guys, we're pure. That's why we get results. Uh, Tatsumi looks at Akina's burning corpse. Uh, he starts to throw up. Guy leaves without anyone stopping him. Uh, Tatsumi cries because people are dead. He looks over at Akina's burning corpse and he, I guess, imagines her and the aliens telling him to save himself. Maybe, maybe he, maybe it's an imagination bit. I don't know. So Shiraku now is like, Tatsumi, are you okay? Can you move? Uh, but there are people starting to gather around. They're stopped by Ginji, one of the agents from Shiraku's uh, unit. Uh, and they've arrived at the scene, uh, disguised as police officers to kind of stop people from going inside. Shiraku uses his gravity unit to voip uh, Tatsumi all the way out of the building and into a pole. Which, you know, he couldn't have done that to stop the guy. Before he got away. No. Couldn't have possibly done it. Um, so they go outside as the building burn, uh, continues to burn up. Uh, Shiraku goes over to Tatsumi and is like, are you okay? I mean, we, I just very casually walked out of this building. I could have like dragged you out. But instead I force pushed you out for some reason. Uh, Tatsumi is like, but the aliens and Akina were just working normal lives why 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 this happen and shrak is like well that's our job to find out people just died how are you so calm and shrak says because this is my job and tatsumi says you act like you don't care 
It's all about work, work, work. And he grabs Shaka by the jacket. And then he sees the truck who looks a little sad. He's like, yeah, it's work. But getting angry doesn't accomplish anything. The law doesn't allow revenge and we must obey the law. There's only one thing we must do. And it may not be to our liking, to your liking, but we arrest perpetrators. That's our duty as investigators. And as an investigator who arrests perpetrators, that is why I let that perpetrator just casually walk away without doing anything to stop him. Cool. So the good guys to this series suck. Yeah, pretty much. This is like, I don't know. I feel like there's like, Almost a like I don't know I don't want to say this is a meta commentary. It just feels like this this book just goes to show how fucking shitty and garbage fucking like government protection institutions are in the long run. Because you just you you see this sort of thing happen. You're like these dudes suck. These are worthless. These dudes are awful. Like they're fucking constantly held back by bureaucracy. Not actually interested in protecting the people they're going to. Yeah, like these these guys are fucking do- like doofuses. If they didn't have the ability to manipulate gravity, I don't even know why you'd make a manga about them. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and uh, yeah, it seems as though, unless there is some twist later, uh, it seems as though the most interesting character that was introduced in this series was just fucking refrigerated, uh, and it, it, seemingly for no reason because it looks like the lesson that Tatsumi just has to learn is we have to follow the rules of the organization which <laughs> cool Fun. so this sucks um, and I don't like it yep but you know what I do like blue box, uh, uh, blue, box. blue box is good blue, blue box so... after I caught heat for making it my chapter of the week last week Quinn we spent a little bit of time talking last week about how uh, Ayame, aka Karen's little sister, was seemingly go- being introduced as a new love interest for Taiki. And that may still be the case. However. They are still going to go that direction. But I actually do like that she was like, no, it was that other cute guy at that. <laughs> like, that guy was not our team. He doesn't go to our He's school. He's different school. <laughs> So Ayame introduced herself. She is, you know, going to be the new the badminton club's new manager. Everyone, you know, has a moment to be like, "Oh, she's so cute. We've got a girl manager on the team." And Ayame just looks around between all the club members, and she's like, "Where's the kid with the bowl cut? I saw him come to the gym a, a few weeks ago. You know that aloof, scrawny macho kid with the bowl cut?" And everyone's like, "Oh, you mean Yusa?" He's from Sajikawa High. We just get this visual while this is happening of like Yusa just, you know, preparing for some Batman practice or a match or something. Ayami's in the background going Hottie alert. <laughs> so she clarifies like, oh, so Yusa's not here. So you mean I'm not going to get to see him every day? No, he goes to another school and I won't get to wash his tracksuit. What you want? You want to do what? Well, goodbye. Uh, <laughs> she's just bolting. She's just like, it's been nice knowing you guys. <laughs> just go- immediately gone. My hunt continues. Uh, yeah. So uh, she stopped, uh, and it was like, oh man, yeah. Um, oh god, I forgot. I've forgotten his name. Um, cool. How are you? How are you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's immediately like, like yeah. 
I, yeah, Karen was right. You just had completely ulterior motives for the entire thing. That's why you volunteered. Uh, Ayama's like, I couldn't help it. Um, so they do try and point out, like, okay, look, we'll probably have another practice match with with Yusuf's team, and you might see him at tournaments. And in fact, that's probably the only way you would run into him at all. So Ayami very casually like turns around like, all right, I guess we can work together for a little bit. Uh, Taiki is entrusted with showing Ayame what to do. So he takes her to the storage room uh, the where they prepare the cooler for, for the team. Uh, the, the, that big, one of those big horizontal sinks. Uh, and then he shows her the locker room, which is like, guys, Guys, come on! Like, <laughs> what are you doing? It's so messy. <laughs> um, she is horrified by what she sees, and she's like, "Does nobody clean this up? I cannot believe this." Uh, and Taiki is just like, "Wow, she's got like, she's got no filter. I mean, she doesn't seem like a bad person, but she's just like, wow, she really doesn't hold back." Ayame sees a spider. And, like, nearly Scooby-Doo jumps into Taiki's arms going, Ah, Spider! Um, and uh, so that happens just as Chinatsu is passing by the locker room. She kind of just casually looks inside. Ayame runs out to Chinatsu, who, of course, she knows. Uh, and Taiki freaks out a little because, you know, like, I, I'm I didn't kiss her. And then he ran away from him. Pushes her down on the ground and jumps <laughs> off the Chinatsu <laughs> uh, is just like deadpan. Inamata, what did you do? <laughs> Merciless. Um, but uh, Ayame still sees the spider, uh, and she like jumps towards Taiki again, grabs him by the shoulder, which Chinatsu watches, uh, and then Chinatsu very casually hits a Kleenex, picks up the spider, and tosses it out the window. Uh, and uh, Ayame is like, "Oh, you're so brave!" And Taiki thinks, "Like, wait a minute, I thought that Chinatsu hated bugs," and Chinatsu looks at her hand <laughs> like she has awakened. I too have the power to fight. <laughs> it's a, it's such a great joke. It's a, it's just a small now. Moment, but... Pyra can't fight. <laughs> oh man! So uh, she gets a little down about the fact that Ayame is now the manager, uh, and Ayame's like. It's kind of dismissive towards Taiki because she's like, "Yeah, this guy's showing me the ropes," and Taiki's like. You don't even know my name. It's it's Taiki Inamata. And she says, Oh, okay. I'll call you Inota. Because I'm not gonna remember that. <laughs> so she's given him a nickname. She says goodbye to Chinatsu, whom she calls Chi, by the way. I don't know if I've been mentioning that the whole time. So it seems like it's just, you know, in her general character to just give people nicknames. Um so Taiki continues showing her the ropes. and as they leave, Chinatsu thinks to herself, like I wonder if this is what Karen was talking about because, you know, she's seeing Taiki interact with a, with a girl and also like, Oh, mm, man. And yeah. So that all continues. Uh, while Ayama is going about her business, uh, she passes uh, w over to uh, Hina when she's trying to fill up the cooler. 
and Hina's like, oh, this is the girl who's the badminton team's new manager. Okay. And then uh, she sees that Ayame has kind of big boobs. And someone like had to like bring up to us just like fully. I was like, look, guys, Blue Box did a boob joke. It's like, yep, yep, chest envy. It finally happened. It was it, bound to happen eventually, I guess. It is as tastefully done, I suppose you could say. <laughs> but, you know, it, I don't know. I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, Blue Box can no longer be in the recap. Yeah, I, I, I found it mildly amusing that Hina's just like, oh, no. <laughs> I can't win against her. Just like she's immediately down on herself. Uh, so I'm um, it's back. Uh, she's kind of, she's looking around everyone practicing. She's like, okay, what do we do now? And Taiki says, okay, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll teach you how how to keep score. Um, and so Yame you know, scoots in. Is like, all right, all right, let me see how you do it. And Taiki has to kind of bring up the awkward subject of. You're kind of getting in my space a lot. Like you're look, I don't want people like spreading rumors about us. So can you like keep your distance a little bit from me? And Ayame looks at Taiki and then she's like, Oh, you're that guy who was in the Snow White play, and you're the guy that the rumors have been being spread about. Okay. Uh and she's like, yeah, I guess it must be kind of hard hearing everyone talk about you like that, uh, about whether or not you you guys kissed. But everyone's making such a weirdly big deal about it. You, you shouldn't worry about it. And she refers to it as some little kiss, which gets Taiki like really worked up. It's like, what do you mean some little kiss? It's a <laughs> kiss. What's the kiss? Uh, but Ayame says something that is very wise, surprisingly, which is like, okay, you know, other... Instead of worrying about the opinions of the other than worrying about the opinions of those who actually care about you, there's no harm in just ignoring what people say, which in general, as far as high school is concerned. Yeah, she's 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 mostly right. Uh, But Taiki still says like, okay, but can you just like can I like give me some space? And I was like, okay, okay, okay. But oh, no, another spider. And she and she grabs him by the shoulder again, leans in. Uh, and again, Chinatsu happens to be passing by right at that moment. Uh, and she just kind of like awkwardly turns around. is like, I, I, I'm going to go get a drink. It just leaves. Uh, but, and Taiki, of course, is just like, no, I didn't kiss her. I didn't kiss her. No. I didn't kiss her. Uh, he starts pushing people downstairs. No. <laughs> and we end on the punchline of Chinatsu going to get some insect there are a lot of spiders in this school, so they probably should get a couple cans of it, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. I like this chapter. So, it was fun. Um, I do like... I, I kind of... I didn't say it, uh, but I, I did have a small suspicion. I was like, I wonder if they're going to start that she's actually interested in someone else. I thought it was going to be the bald right. dude on the team. That would uh, be funny. Something like that. And then she's like, this dude sucks. <laughs> but in the process, she's like, oh, Taiki's kind of cool. Uh, but I do like that. And I, I just found it to be a genuinely pretty fun chapter. Yeah. Uh, and we can immediately see like uh, that, you know, there's been no time wasted in her kind of throwing a monkey wrench into the love triangle between Jinatsu and Hina and Taiki. Some and uh, we're just getting started. A spanner in the works. Yeah, sure. Is, is that... No, I just heard a bunch of people talk about that recently, and I was like, this will be interesting if they listen to this podcast as well. But they don't. 
so I don't know why I said it. <laughs> Retroactively now, shouldn't have interrupted. Should have just let us move on. All right. <laughs> Ginka and Luna is the name of our new series no, in Shonen Nick, Jump. I do believe it's pronounced Ginka and Luna. I'm not going to even try. It says no, I, I the G it, is silent. I believe it's, it's so, like Luna. Something like that. It's... It says the G is silent in the captions of this chapter. I'm not going to try for it. Now, I'm sorry. What if fucking G Flugel fucking pops up like a little fucking weasel and it's just like, that's not actually how you pronounce it. You'd want to get back at them by being like fucking Ginka and Luna and Artemis the cats from Sailor Moon. You do something <laughs> like that, right? <laughs> you just fucking dunk on them. <laughs> that's not how you say the german uh, i'm sorry sorry <laughs> well, so just it's like swedish stuff so it's all the same to me <laughs> like once you get off you get off of island or uh, like england you move a little bit further to the right and you pass like france <laughs> like and suddenly all my accidents become the same until you hit russia basically oh those are gone you comrade they're very different but like italian all of that oh. stuff's in us just all scandinavian just all scandinavian <laughs> <laughs> so oh this is a different kind of series uh i'm not really sure how to go into it i think that it's gonna be easier to just kind of like do mostly broad strokes for this uh the series begins with the uh heroine of our story luna uh just kind of like by herself in this arctic wilderness uh trying to like find food and stuff uh she builds uh she comes across i think she doesn't even build it it seems like uh, a snowman and she like puts her kind of like hat uh, cap helmet it's like a pilot's helmet thing and scarf on it and it makes it into a proper snowman and yeah she just lives by herself in the mountains uh where there are weird magical talking winter creatures that are observing her apparently she's just by herself because she's trying to become a magician and learn magic uh and uh when she gets some she, when she gets to her shelter later on she sees that her uh the door's been broken down and so she's like oh a bear break in lucky me i can have bear stew tonight which is a great moment she just gets an axe off the wall it's like i'm gonna kill a bear and i'm gonna eat well tonight and uh instead she sees the snowman that she put the uh helmet and the scarf on before it has come to life frosty style uh but she doesn't realize that until she's already attacked it with with the axe uh, it goes into his head there's a silly moment uh, and uh, he introduced himself as uh, Ginka, uh, and uh, he has eaten all of her snow bananas, which he's really upset about. Uh, and so she, so he says, like, yeah, well, I'm I'm here because you know you did something very good for me, so I'm I'm going to pay you back. She's just really pissed off because she, he broke her shelter and took her food, uh, which he's like, it's fine. Uh, 
but uh, she gets really pissed off at him. Uh, she's going to make him pay her back by like catching fish so that she'll have food to eat. Uh, and he does not doing a good job until he just magically makes like the entire lake he's fishing in just float above them uh, and like deposit a bunch of fish for her. And then Luna gets really excited and she's like, can you teach me magic? Uh, and magic is indicated as like, yeah, it's this really lost art. Uh, Ginkus says like, look, you know, this is going to be a really huge hassle for you to learn. It'll take you a long time. And Luna just says, look, if I were a magician, I could survive better. I could start a fire without firewood. I could catch as many fish as I wanted and I could fly anywhere. I could go anywhere in the world. And she takes out the book that she had been reading earlier and she says did you know that there's an island where it's so warm you can just swim in the ocean all year round and I know you can't become a magician without talent of course I don't think I could become one but Ginga says well yeah with that attitude no you can't magic is not meant for people who only see their limitations after all there's nothing a magician can't do so she's like all right, I want to become one. No, I will. I'm going to be a magician. I will definitely do it. And we cut ahead to years later immediately. <laughs> like It's a very sudden jump. Uh, she's. It's like, I think, what, half a decade later? Uh, she's say, taller. She, she goes from being like seemingly like a little kid to looking like she's at least like mid to late teenager, mm-hmm. like 15 to 17 range. And uh, now she's like openly talking with the animals around her um, as well. And they're like, Lundish, Verndi, Verndi, Luna. Luna, Luna. Fingers curling, Brie. So. That's how every uh, character in this series talks God. to me. <laughs> uh, like, she's grown like an entire forest around herself that's growing fruit. And when she picks the fruit, she comes out to see Ginka and delivers it to him. And uh, he's like, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, I told you to create fruit, fruit and you made a forest, but it's fine. What's important is the taste. And he tries it out. He's like, yeah, it's fresh. It's moist. It's sweet. It's perfect. You pass. There's nothing left I have to teach you. You can leave the mountains now. And Luna is immediately like, yeah. And she goes and does, goes cartwheeling through the snow. Uh, and... Ginka says, you know, normally to become a magician, it takes, you know, you've got to start within 30 months of birth, which is insane (laughs) to me. Um, But he says it's difficult for a human steeped in common sense and convention to become a magician. Even if you start training while young, it usually takes 20 years to master and you were able to do it in five years. Uh, You worked really hard. You're you're amazing. Um, And... uh, as he goes on, like we keep on like not seeing his face, which I guess would kind of undermine the moment because his face is constantly this like goofy smile expression. Uh, so instead, like during this serious moment, like instead of zooming in on his face, we like are zooming in on his charcoal buttons. Uh, and he's like, look, you can do things that others can't. So just don't forget about your experiences from when you were normal and try to be kind to others as much as you can. And he was like, yeah, okay, come on. We, let's pack our get- bags because we got. We, we should go. We should leave tomorrow. And he says, you know, I'm not going. And she's like, well, why not? And he says, what do you mean, why? I never told you I wanted to leave. I like it here at the mountains. I've helped you become a magician because that's what I promised. So we're not going to see each other again now. 
Bye. And he walks off. Giga goes and literally drowns her sorrows by dipping herself in a frozen lake upside down. <laughs> I, like, you just see the fucking legs hanging straight out of the, the water. You're like, oh my god. And you're yeah. like, nah, it's just how she chills. Uh, this very old looking deer comes to Gluna and says that, like, uh, you know, it was just a... <laughs> this is the most Swedish chef looking of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she's trying to be like, I mean, yeah, he doesn't he, he's not obliged to join me or anything. It's fine. But the deer says, come with me. I want to show you something and, and leads her into uh, a different part of the forest where there is very strong magical energy. And the deer says that two magicians fought here years ago. It was a fierce battle, so fierce that their magic warped the time and space of this area. And uh, yeah, there's like a dinosaur skeleton and also a plane and the sun or something like that all in this area is uh pretty weird to look at yeah it looks like the ground is made of coral or at least there's like a trail of it and mm-hmm. definitely some like kind of statue it's 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 a lot of cool visual stuff going on there and the deer points to one of the shadows and says that's ginka from when he was still human the other and we get this, you know, like flashback to a confrontation between Kinka and this other magician and how you know, they were trading barbs while they were attacking and stuff. And while this was happening, Ginka basically survived the battle by letting his soul leave his body behind. But, uh, you know, the magician said, I won't let you go without paying a price, though. Uh, so Ginka's body was taken from him. But he used the snow from the mountains to create a body of his own. But as a snowman, he can only live in this environment. He can't use magic otherwise, and he can't sustain his body otherwise. So the deer's like, look, so, you know, Giga doesn't hate you. He literally can't leave. Um, And he had made up his mind to push Muna away so that she wouldn't feel compelled to stay behind to help him. But... This gets you know Lou to pep up immediately because she's like, "Oh, so Giga wants to leave and go with me. In that case, I can just take him with me without having any regrets. So that's no problem. This is a problem she can actually solve because you know she won't be going against her friend's wishes. So she dashes off to, to Ginka and like she she's clearly like using magic to go fast, but her body looks really scary for a moment while she's dashing through the snow. She picks up Ginka and dives off the cliff that he was perched on. Uh, and she's like, I get it. Yeah. I, I don't plan to stay here with you out of kindness, but I also refuse to compromise. I'm going to travel the world with you. We're going to see lots of beautiful things. We're going to eat delicious food and I'm going to do everything because we'll meet different people from different places and we'll get you back to your body. You're the one who taught me there's nothing a magician can't do. And Geek is very moved by this because of how much she's grown. And Luna's like, yeah, I came up with a plan to keep you alive, too. Uh, So she throws him all the way off of the snowy plains. Uh, He lands in a melting pile and uh, he's like, whoa, I'm out of the mountains and there's the sun. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's turning into a puddle. 
But uh, Gluda arrives in time and just like frost breaths him uh, better into a full body, and he lands in this big triumphant pose, like yay! Um, and all of the environment of the mountains basically are you know surrounding his body, and so he has the jumps up in celebration because he can survive off the mountains. And Luna's like, yeah, it's easy to recreate these conditions because I grew up in all, in all of them and stuff. So they uh, agree to set off together. Um, but the chapter's not over because um, a giant two-headed goat monster with four uh, tits shows up. <laughs> Nick, please Sk- stop staring. Their <laughs> eyes are up there and up there. <laughs> Uh, so they're like, all right, let's beat this thing. Um, and so Luna's like, yeah. And she <laughs> taps Ginka's back and then draws part of his body back into a tube so that she can blow into the tube and blow him up like a balloon. So he turns into a giant snowman and they have a kaiju battle <laughs> just because. <laughs> and all the animals of the of the for- of the of the mountain come out to watch the fight. And Ginka casts his palm forward and blows up the Gobas. <laughs> and, and all uh, the four spirits are like, you can do it! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, our, the two friends like are going to get ready to set off on, on an adventure. And they're like, we're going to get Ginka's body back. And they start to race down the mountain. And that's how... Their journey begins. The journey to find Ginka's stolen body. So, two things. First, Nick, what Digimon does Ginka look like? Uh, I mean, the one that immediately springs to mind is Frigimon. There you so. go. You remembered him. I had to stop. I was yeah. like, "What the fuck was his name? Chilimon? Coldmon? Uh, all that giant four, all that giant two-headed, four-titted goat monster knee was a little f- Sub-Zero Ice Punch." <laughs> <laughs> uh, second. Uh, how do you like uh, Luna's design? Because at first I didn't like it, but then when she gets the hat and a little bit more like accoutrement to it, I was like, I like this design. It is a little bit weird. Um, I feel like she needs I, like a cloak or something. She's like a cape. I don't know. It does seem like she's kind of incomplete when she's just in the like just the tube top and the long sleeve stuff. I do like the idea that it really conveys that she's because she's gotten all of her magical training and stuff, the frozen environment no longer affects her. And it really carries across because like, she's just freaking got bare feet out in the snow and stuff. And then she doesn't mind it. Um, but yeah, it does seem a little bit incomplete. I wouldn't mind if that's just kind of like her, you know, Goku takes the training pads off kind of form. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, it does seem complete. I think normal. she needs a hat always, always and all, mm-hmm. forever. I like this one. This is like a fun magical adventure series. I don't know if we've had sort of like, it's been a while I think since we've had like a a fun magical adventure series that didn't also have to be like, well, there's Yokai or something like that in there. Uh, I guess Hunter's Guild to a certain extent was kind of like a a fairy tale adventure series. Uh, But I'm excited for this. It it feels like it's going to occupy a different space. I like this first chapter a lot. I thought it had a lot of good emotions to it. It flowed. The art in it is really, really nice. Uh, if anything bad happens to Ginka, I would kill everyone in this room and then myself. Uh, I don't know. I like his big dopey face. It makes me laugh. And, uh, you know, good first chapter. I did quite like it. 
Uh, I will. I mean, I really, I did really enjoy it. I thought it was like, oh, this is a nice little bond that these two have. This is a cool adventure. Stuff looks different. It's you know drawn well, but also it's got its own kind of aesthetic because all the designs are very different. You've got you know, no one really, no one in Shonen Jump really looks like Ginka right now. Um, all that being said, I immediately was like, Nick, don't get attached. Do not, <laughs> do not get attached to this. This is going to end in 16 chapters. Don't get attached. So uh, I am going to just kind of like, I, I was just kind of like, I'm just going to like rip that bandit off right now so I don't suffer. Okay. That's fair. That is fair. Uh, good stuff, though. I really, really liked it. Uh, let's move on. To... Yeah, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a puzzle for you, Quinn. Uh, Funakai. No. Okay. You, you you gave me that one, remember? Oh, I thought we could redo them. All right, fine. Yeah, no, no, no. All right, Funik- here's the clue. Funakai wasn't this deep of a well to pull two puzzles out of. <laughs> he had multiple gimmicks. Come on. Yeah. Remember when he was SmackDown's number one announcer? That was my favorite period, yes. Yeah, yes, well, so. it was the least racist period of his character, it, so. True. <laughs> uh, all right, here's the clue. Petrification Pro pierces plaster, promptly plummets. Petrification Pro mm-hmm. hmm. pierces plaster, mm-hmm. plummets. What was it? Yeah, uh, promptly plummets. Promptly plummets. Plump, promptly plummets. Someone who took a big fall. Mm hmm. Petrification, what was it? Petrification professor? Pro. 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 Okay, pro. Petrification pro. Someone new. Stone Cold? Stone, no. Stone Cold took a big fall? No, no, no. Stone Cold tripping down the stairs into his own house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is the end. <laughs> no one should have picked up that Lego. <laughs> Uh, petrification. <laughs> Who would like stun people or turn them to stone? Mm. This is an active wrestler. No. Okay. Hmm. Is it a uh, former WWE wrestler? Yes. But not, uh, but not by much. Like were they in WWE for more than like a couple years? Uh, As an active wrestler, I guess. They were. I will say, however, that this character was not WWF or WWE. This is a tough one. I might, I might, I might have to pass on this one. I'm not, I'm not as knowledgeable as those other companies. Um, uh, this is this is a case that you would know about. I know for a certain you would okay. know about this. All right, let me let me let me let me put on my big thinking brain again. Okay. Would this have been a TNA wrestler? No, it would not have. Okay. Well, I don't think so. Maybe they brought in a lot of people. God knows. You know? Um, was this a big ECW wrestler? I don't think so. Okay. Almost certainly no. No. WCW. Yes. Okay. Big WCW wrestler. Not big. Um. <laughs> is it Sean Stasiak? 
Uh, I mean, you're in you're in the roughly the right ballpark. Okay, let's uh, start running through mediocre WCW wrestler Sean Stasiak, Chuck Palumbo. Uh, it was Chris no Brandon. one who came. It was no one who came over in the invasion. Damn. All right. Uh, Is it Goldberg? I think you're focusing a little bit too much on the first part of the clue. All right. I really think you can get this. Middle part again. Pierce's plaster promptly plummets. Oh, shock! Uh, just uh, Taskmaster, Shockmaster, whatever his name was. That's right. It's through the wall. And- the Shockmaster. <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent. I do like that one. Yeah. I think next week I've been watching. I've <laughs> watched a lot of uh, TikToks, <laughs> and there's a thing they'll do where people have like 60 seconds to guess somebody. Uh, one person has like the answer. And uh, they just ask yes or no questions to see if they can do it. So I'm going to start timing you because we like to see how much time we could waste. So I want to see if we can accurately waste one minute of our audience's time each week making sure Nick we guest wrestlers. I'm sure we can do that. Yeah. Professor Peanuts is also losing his shit behind me. So I'm just I can know. see that. Yeah. <laughs> you, might, you might see some stuff going on. <laughs> he's, he's absolutely wilding out. All right. Let's talk God. about let's talk about these piano boys going wild. Yeah, it's chapter forty-eight. So, so, so. I mean, it's it's so like the note, but it's the chapter titles. So, so, and so, so, so. So, Sora Chica starts playing uh, musical notes, and then. The coolest fucking thing. <laughs> yes, yes, Professor. Lucky listens to the music, and we just see several pages straight of him just standing and musical notes appearing in the background. And at first, there is a blank background behind him, and then fog, mist rolls in. And in the mist, he sees a shape that looks vaguely like himself, which solidifies and comes towards him. And when it approaches the figure, the lucky doppelganger has the Odogami eyes, the the piano eyes that Sorachika has. And more than halfway through the chapter... We get the first dialogue uh, in it, which is uh, Sionji just saying, like, yeah, the, the sound. Sorochika's Sorochika Odagami sound has no intent behind it. It's empty, without impurities, where nothing exists. Then, with that sound, he creates the sky from nothing. To everyone witnessing that sky, he shows and makes them feel what they believe in the most and so of course you know lucky is seeing himself because he believes in his ego the most right now but uh, the narration continues what you see and feel from the sound is what you consider to be important it can be a person an object an opinion a creed a scripture and that is why his sound is never wrong his performance is divine no musical analysis is necessary even if he makes mistakes, his sound is still in front of you. And Lucky sees himself say, this is the ultimate La Campanella. 
the sound of his playing is telling Lucky that his song is great. <laughs> and narration just says, yeah, Sorochika wins with, with just those words. What's in front of you seems like it just appears. On a deeper psychological level, an inexplicable pull you can't resist takes over your thoughts, making you believe that his way is correct. Well, it's what your inner psyche is showing you. So, of course, it makes sense. This is the work of a god. And Sanji's like, I've appeared in front of myself, so that means I believe in myself the most. Although, seems to have uh, pigtails in, in yes. this uh, inner visual. So, I want Sadame to go out to play his piece. Sadame, not Sanji. Uh, and he's just like, I forgot the piece, so I'm just gonna do chopsticks. Like he's off key and shit, and everyone's just like, I don't know which one really came out ahead of this. This is um amazing. It is. It is. It is so extra. Like, legitimately, the the chapter opens with Sorochika opening his piano sharingan and activating it. <laughs> and then just fucking traps Lucky in a genjutsu of piano nonsense for, like, seven straight pages and two-page spreads. And it's so extra and extravagant. But that's what makes PPPVP uh, so very fucking good. Yeah. Uh, I I really like this. It's it's very very weird. Uh, and just yeah, it's great. Here you go. Yes. <sighs> excellent stuff, Nick. We <sighs> were too harsh. Some would say about Tokyo Demon Bright Story. Some have said, "Hey, you fucks, don't say that." <laughs> And to that I say, you were right. We were too harsh. This chapter, I think, is better than the first one. I'm just going to go out on the record. I'm going to go on the record there. Nick, you may not agree. I... I mean, the first chapter had stuff in it, so... This one does, too. It's, look, there's jokes that are a little bit better. Not great, but a little bit better. There's more of a sense of, like, identity. They're... they're there's a uh, disabled representation, which is awesome to see. That is something that's, that's true. That's true. Um, I just found it to be it, it sort of delved a little bit more into this main character and like the situation there. And it poses questions that aren't answered. And then like it ends, you know, I don't know. I thought it was good. Chap chapter two, Manaka and love. So, um, uh yeah so our protagonist uh wakes up um and um manaka ceiling cats him um just pokes her head through a tile on the ceiling for some reason watch him and he gets uh, kind of annoyed at her and they go down the hallway and and he's like uh i'm gonna change out of my pajamas so don't come in and manaka's like i would never spy on and, and then she like kind of she doesn't get embarrassed over this instead she just like randomly remembers she didn't brush her teeth the previous day so she gets embarrassed about that um and uh matsuri the uh the the old the older sister comes out and she's like uh, hey can i borrow a toothbrush i didn't brush my teeth yesterday and matsuri goes no problem 
I didn't brush either. That's a little amusing. Like they're both fucking irresponsible. Jinta's annoyed because his very boring life has gotten briefly interrupted. Uh, we get like big proper introductions between Manaka and uh, the, uh, the the three of them. Uh, Matsuri says the one joke that I my brain acknowledged was a joke. I didn't that didn't laugh at it, but I was like that was a joke. Because she says, I'm a beautiful young girl of unknown age. You know, like, just she doesn't want to say what her age is. So she pretends like nobody knows what it is. Yeah. So uh, then we get, like, this kind of whole big spiel about the house they live in, which, okay. Uh, they established that uh, they also inherited a 3 million yen debt from Jinta's father which they have apparently paid off roughly half of thus far. Uh, and uh, Jinsa is, you know, talking about, you know, the work he's got to do and stuff. And Matsuri is like, hey, I mean, I've got a plan to pay it off. Stop trying to push yourself. And Jinta's like, no, because I could get sick or injured. So I've got to I've got to work while I can and pay off the debt. I've promised that I'll do anything to protect our lives here. So let me do it. He's like 15. So, yep. Um, They established briefly that the three of them didn't really talk to each other much until a couple years ago. But it's like, I mean, yeah, but Jinta, you would have been like 10 then. So whatever. Uh, Manaka says that she's happy to dine with them. Jinta is going to go to his job and she wants to come with. And he's too afraid of being turned into a fish with legs. So he lets her come with them. And they head off to uh, one of his part-time jobs, which is to uh, uh, help out at, at a cafe, uh, which originally, apparently, he was going to help remodel it, which, I don't know what the hell kind of work experience this kid has, if he can help to remodel a building. But uh, instead, he's going to do something much more sane, which is, you know, do part-time teenager stuff and help around the cafe. But he doesn't like doing customer service. But it's okay. Manaka will do that. The owner of the cafe is a wheelchair user. Uh, and uh, what is her name? I forget her name. Uh, Manaka goes around serving people. Uh, there's just kind of a, a little joke where uh, Jinta has to say, Can't... you see she's got horns, right? And uh, Yoshihashi, uh, the, uh, the cafe owner, looks at her and is like, Ah, now she notices. Yes. Um, Manaka keeps on trying to help out. She's apparently no good at cooking because that's par for the course with love interests and romantic comedy mangas. Um, There is apparently a thief. uh, And uh, the big plot hook is the fact that Ms. Yoshihashi, uh, her bag that her late husband left for her was stolen. Uh, and uh, they established like, oh yeah, it was this vintage bag. You know, I, I, it was it was really valuable. But he spent the last of his savings buying it for me as a gift. Uh, and I wanted, to, I, I loved it so much. I wanted to, I wanted to be buried with it. But what can I do now? I've got to let it go. That's horrendously sad. So uh, Jinta, you know, gives, and Manaka are given a break. They go and talk outside for a bit, and Jinta says, I don't know how people can steal other people's stuff. Or Manaka says that, and Jinta says, well, they're afraid because they don't have money. 
Maybe money doesn't bring happiness, but if you don't have money, you can't protect your own well-being. Uh, he briefly has a flashback um, to when uh, he was a kid, and I guess being helped out by his dad, it seems like. Uh, but he just kind of like immediately quashes the memory before we get any context of it. Uh, Manaka says like, yeah, that's the reason I want to be a burden to you. I want to help you out. Uh, and Jinta says, okay, look, you can do what you want, but you shouldn't, you know, get too caught up when helping people because not all people are good people. And I'm also still not the great guy that you think I am. Uh, the thief has been spotted and he is carrying this Yoshihashi's bag just like through the street in the open because he's a bad thief. Uh, there's a joke about how Jinta can't speak good English. Um, and there is a flashback, which really doesn't look like a flashback because the frames don't have any special coloration, so it's a little bit confusing. That's bad. Yeah. Uh, so, but they said, it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, I'll leave like this, you know. Apparently, like, yeah, they leave cake for Mitsuyoshihashi's, like, uh, his, his portrait. Uh, she does it every day because she's still attached to him. Uh, and Jinta's like, nah, it's okay, I get it. If I lost someone in my family, I'd probably do the same. So thinking about that makes him want to spring into action. Uh, and he just like, because he's like up on the second floor, he just like starts running across rooftops to go after the thief. Uh, and Manaka's like, I knew he was a great guy. And she goes after him so that they can catch the thief because this is also kind of an action manga. So I'm getting the impression you're still not in love with it. And that's fine. I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't love it either. Uh, I'm not as negative on it. I just think I think it found a little bit better footing this week. It's not even that I'm negative on it. It's that I have nothing positive on it. It's not that I think it's bad. I think that it's just got an absence of good or interesting things. Um, so that's where I'm standing on it. That's fair. Well, let's move on to Mashal, Magic and Muscles, Chapter 123, Dot Barrett and the Hundredfold Rage. So last time, uh, Lance sacrificed himself to protect Dot. Dot exploded with power, and that's what's happening right now. We see the cross appear on his forehead. Uh, Order Maddles, like, holy shit, I just felt a threateningly huge level of magic. Uh, and he's like, is it fam uh, famine up there? Yes, famine. And he's like, no, it's further away. Someone has unleashed an immense level of power. We see all of like the wounds on fucking uh, Dot's face start healing. And Epidem's like, oh, that Mark, I've heard rumors, a rare breed of people whose magic power fluctuates in response to their emotional state. Utter fiends for battle whose wrathful temperaments and vast power threaten the fabrics of magical society. The Ira Cruz. That's it, Nick. That is the lore. <laughs> That's pretty much it, yes. I, I fucking love... There was no greater explanation for this. This is the end of the story, by the way. We probably won't get any further clarification. What is the Ira Cruz? I don't know. Some dudes who liked fighting, and they got stronger based on their magic and their emotions, which I think is also how all magic works in comparison to how we've seen things in the story. So Dot is a Saiyan. That's all we need to know. I was like, I didn't like last like the chapter or two chapters before this uh fucking lance couldn't activate his bankai because he wasn't fucking in sync enough with dot like isn't that also just based off of you know whatever i fucking love it no explanation <laughs> dot special very straightforward showing and bullshit yes yeah epidem's like ah you're 
this is very scary, but I will not be, you know, I will not be turned down by you. My magic is the strongest, most miraculous substance ever. I'm going to shoot a bunch of guns. And he goes to do it, and all of his guns are all, like, shot up. He's like, what? What's going on? And Dot <laughs> has cross guns for arms. He's so stupid and fucking awesome looking. It's, it's so metal and so absolutely ridiculous. It's great. He's like, what, what is this form that's awakened? And Dot's like, die a hundred times. And there's a bunch of bullets coming at him. And I'm like, no, do not get carried away. And he activates his thirds. And it, it, it does, I doesn't I'll like, just unleash my Gatling dragon yeah, now. It basically looks like Buzzsaw from Pokemon if you strapped a <laughs> shit ton of miniguns to it. Just fucking all over the place. And he's like, yes, this produces an absurd amount of Orcalcum. I don't know how you shot it down before, but shooting down this many bullets is impossible now. Fall. And he fires a bunch of bullets. And he's like, Oh god, it changed because Dot's fucking cross guns become like thirty hundred thousand guns. Like it, it makes no sense. I like. I guess he could do anything at this point because he didn't activate a new spell. He, he's just fucking. That's how it works. And he's like, oh, it changed. It's shooting at all the Orcalcum. He's like, but what does? And like all of his bullets are hitting Orcalcum, and then they keep going. He's like, for every one of my attacks. He produces dozens. And the bullets are all coming in an epidemic. He says, Pudding. <laughs> we go into a flashback of Pudding, of Epidem finding Puddy in a box abandoned in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go on a beach trip together and they're eating at a restaurant and listening to that. <laughs> While he's eating other pudding. <laughs> And a scene of him throwing himself in front of Pudding to protect it. Pudding! It is literally the panel where Piccolo protects Gohan. (laughs) And he just thinks, you made my life complete. You are my greatest love. Pudding, he says, as he's exploded a hundred thousand times, a hundred times over. Uh, An epidemic is seemingly defeated. He says, you are true to word. I have died a hundred times over. Well done. And Dot's like, ugh, I came out on top, but it doesn't feel like a win because he's all sad about Lance. He's like, I hated you too, but why did a guy like you die for... And Lance is like, could you be quiet? I'm nursing a headache. <laughs> Dot's like, the fuck? You're not dead? And Lance is like, no, my collection of Anya pins protected me. I wear them everywhere. My little sister always has my bed. German <laughs> 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 suplex. You fucking like Kenny Omega suplex snap suplex. <laughs> That's a great German suplex. Look at the look oh, at the bridge on that. That That's bridge a, that is a, phenomenal. Yeah. That's a good German. Ugh. Yeah, and that's that's it. That's that's uh that's the chapter. This was insane. That that is the 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 flashback montage of him treating pudding like it's his best friend. It's so crazy. <laughs> the, the panel where I thought they were eating, it, people have corrected me. I can see it's actually him proposing. So the idea is that oh, it is. he found pudding in a box. <laughs> Like an abandoned pet. <laughs> like a dog. And yeah. then married. <laughs> you're like, what is this relationship you're imposing on this pudding? The pudding is not, is not, it has no brain. You cannot consent to this relationship. 
Oh my god, such a silly series. Good oh chapter. God. Though. Uh, and I, again, I do love that. That was it. That was all the lore to the era cruise. <laughs> Look at yep. classic Mashal, man. Oh god. All right. Uh, the elusive samurai, chapter seventy-seven, the side of justice, thirteen thirty-five. Last time, Umatsu was being very creepy because he was like, "I'm going to have all the ladies now." Uh, invaded the tent where Shizuku and the other girls were in. Uh, and uh, so all the women are trying to resist being captured by his men. Uh, but Shizuku very calmly stares him down. He's like, oh, I recognize you. Is attacking an unarmed camp and abducting women worthy of a retainer to the ruling Ashikaga. And uh, he's just like, sexist things. I love women and I do bad things to them. And yeah, it's gross. Yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, Ayako and Fubuki and Ayako's father fortunately all show up uh, and uh, start attacking Umatsu's forces. It, it, it is noted, and I guess I should say appreciate that these two guys who are grabbing her in a very un- unnerving way are then uh, fucking knocked away with the tree. Like, I feel yeah. like the dude shows up and fucking tree bats them <laughs> out of there. Uh, so that's that's good at least. Yeah, Mochizuki is like, he's a surgeon with that. He's swinging a tree and he just swings it like over Shizuku's head and it doesn't touch her at all while they're battered off. They they get team rocketed away. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Mochizuki and Iwamatsu uh, are, uh, are look to be squaring off. Um, and uh, yeah, so he's like, I'm going to kill Mochizuki. Uh, light fires everywhere. Uh, Mochizuki turns to Ayako and, and says, go with my troops and target the commander, uh, Ishido. Uh, go defeat him before our casualties mount. So uh, she and Fubuki go off to do that. Meanwhile, Iomatsu uh, unsheathes his sword, which is this big freaking cleaver looking thing. Uh, so the battle is engaged uh, there. Ishido reveals his his weird like his weird breastplate idol girl thing uh which yep it's a thing uh i do however like the panel where he acts like a badass about it because he gets this very big sneer while he's tapping his head he's like let me let me tell you how women on the brain make a man strong like he's revealing it because he's revealing his big shonen villain ability while he's talking about a cute girl that he made up on his armor so Which it's is like bananas because again yeah we've already established in this series virginity makes you the strongest i don't know why like yeah i'm waiting for that dude to show back up and be like no yeah. you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> it's about practicing the blade and never looking into women ever uh the young commander just like mocks a bunch of the hojo force being like haha i set your camp on fire <laughs> Uh, and Yoshige observes, like, okay, yeah, this is a really big problem. You know, we're being attacked in all these unconventional ways. You know, our knockabands are being attacked. Our morale is falling without even, you know, because of, you know, our ally has been attacked. And we see the, yeah, you know, like, this, this kid has been manipulating all of the weird people, all the weird generals, so that uh, uh, they can get their way. And, and uh, he even manipulated Shibukawa by uh, arranging for, you know, the the them to have the flags of the Hojo forces while firing at him and it's like yeah yeah I'll do all this and someone points out to him like I mean he's gonna get kind of angry at you right 
and he says like hey i mean it's it, it'll be worth it you know that that what 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 is suffering one punch from him compared to the glory of ashikaga justice is on our side it's like all right yeah I need, I need that. that. This is a cool villain character. I, I appreciate this. Like, yeah, I'll do all this gar- garbage stuff because it is for a cause that I believe in. Yeah. Uh, Kojiro uh, is over where Shibukawa is uh, and he's like, what's going on? Why is this guy just kind of like, you know, standing around watching when he was so angry before? Uh, and he's also wondering, like, what what can we do to take this guy out? You know, he's got all this fury, but he's also got this immense calm about him. How can we do? How can we do this? And he's also start. He and Tokyuki are starting to get overwhelmed because, like, oh man, there's all these incredibly strong commanders. There's this tactician who's controlling the battlefield. Tokyuki gets a little turned on uh, because the situation's dangerous. Uh, and then he's like, "All right, Kotaro, you know, th- this is." This is the time. Uh, Shibukawa is up there. He's completely alone and unguarded. Let's go confront him and we'll raise your name and we'll also boost morale. So he's like, hey, I'm going to help with my friend. I'm going to help out the battlefield. Let's go do this. And Genpa's got a plan for it, which is, hey, well, those guys, you know, went under, you know, our banner. So let's just go sneak up on them under their banner. I found this Ashikaga standard we can we can use. Um. And uh, apparently, Yorish- and Yorishige, of course, had never seen this possibility. So he's like, yeah, this is a good idea. Uh, and so as they approach, we get a little bit of a you know brief, brief breakdown of like, hey, you know, the best way to fool someone is when you're you know going to a place you don't belong is just to, you know, not doubt yourself, strike forward with confidence. So they do that. And then no one views them with suspicion all the way up until they get right next to Shibukawa on the cliff that he's on. They drop the band, the, the battle standard and uh Kojiro and Tokyuki take battle stance against him, and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna fight you down two against one, just the way that you hate. It's an unfair fight. Fuck you." So, eat shit, nerd. Yeah. So yeah, there's some good little bits in this chapter, but it's kind of just a bunch of setup. So there's there's decent elements to it, and I I am excited at the idea of like, hey, Tokyuki and Kojiro going up against this big general, and and some of that stuff. I, I'm still kind of like at a point where I don't know. I feel like after having, and I, I'm blanking on his name, but the guy you had like all the uh, ants all over him and everything like that, mm-hmm. um, having like an antagonist along those, or even like, um, oh god, I'm blanking on every character's name, the eye yeah. guy, where like yeah. these were like fully developed, like interesting antagonists, like boiling this down to like honor guy, pervert guy, smart guy, like I, I understand that those guys also all took time to like develop and get stuff over time, but I, I'm certainly less interested in this like antagonistic, you know, tro- chokehold that they're suddenly in because you're like, I don't really give a shit about any of these villains though. Like, I guess I kind of dig honor dude a little bit, but like not enough that I'm like super invested in this fight. I, I think it's going to be good, but I'm just like Sanamune. Um, sorry. Just something. Remember the name. Um, yeah. I'm just not as like connected with this as I wish I was. Absolutely, I totally get where you're coming from. So, all right, now, all right, let's talk Black about Black Clover page three thirty seven whereabouts. So we open with uh, Nature Boy Rick Flair, who has shown up, and he's like, "Hey guys, we're back at the Black Bull base. Uh, shut up and listen to me, basically. Ask is dead." <laughs> <laughs> They inflicted a lethal room. He's so good at giving speeches. Yeah, he's like, shut up, dorks. 
Uh, he's like, hey, they inflicted a, leth- a lethal wound that erased him with spatial magic. In certain circumstances, we should assume that he's dead. And everybody's like a bunch of reactions. Most people are just like stunned shock. Uh, Magnus is like, going off and dying without permission? No way does he get away with that. And Nature Break first, like, it doesn't matter how anyone feels about it. It won't change the facts. That said, no matter how much I focus on reality, I still can't believe that guy is dead. Not when I haven't seen a corpse. And basically the entire Black Bulls in order are in unison are like, yeah, there's no way out to step. They believe in it. Which three years ago would have just annoyed me. But now I'm just like, yeah, dude, why would they not? All these dudes, like, at this point, if I didn't see a corpse either, I'd be like, I don't know, man. Fuck, he, he probably pooped out another magic sword and teleported him somewhere. Like, the dude just does this. I hated this moment. <laughs> Like capital H five A's hated this hated. moment. <laughs> the, I was riding so high up until last chapter. I was like, "Oh, Black Clover, big stakes. Looks like our heroes are fucked. We got such huge hurdles to overcome. What trials await them? All the Black Bulls. The first time that they show up in this arc are just like, look at this colorful cast of characters. We're all so different from each other. Let's all say it in unison. Ash is not dead." Just none of them at all give even a moment's hesitation for it. It was like, no, ass is fine. Let's just go and find him. And it's just like, all right, cool. Let's just completely like act like this doesn't affect us at all and go and get our friend. It's you could have had like a moment where they're like, all at least think he's dead. But then they were and then, you know, Major Boy Ric Flair reveals like, but there's this thing so that it seems like there might be just a chance that everyone's like, if there's even a smallest chance, just Something. Not instead of just like, he's probably not actually dead, even though he's definitely dead. <laughs> As I said, like, for me, I'm just like, I don't know. At this point, that's just how the Black Bulls operate. So the Mac operating this way doesn't surprise me so much. Like, I, I'm a little disappointed, but I'm just like, yeah, dude, sure. I guess. Cut over. Asta wakes up and there is, um, I don't know what you would call this. A robot, I guess. She's a tea servant Ochami dog. Yeah. Uh, this this thing that opens its mouth that looks very similar to Charmy, uh, and asks, of course, like Miss Charmy, and yeah, the new person shows up. He's like, ha ha ha, that's a tea servant Ochami doll, and we are introduced to Shvami. Actually, we don't know his name yet, but he absolutely looks like Yami's twin brother. So he looks like a cross between Yami and Shinsui from Bleach. Yeah. So I'm like, well, that I hope that's a payoff and not just the lackluster character design of just like, what if all the people from here just kind of look like this? Um, so he's like, how you feeling, Aston? Asked like, how the fuck do you know my name? He didn't say fuck. Aston would be so much cooler if he said fuck every once in a while. He's <laughs> like, this fucking wound healed up. I'm going to fucking be the wizard king. <laughs> uh and he's like did you heal me up and uh this person whose name we don't know is like no my friend did i ain't got any power that impressive uh and uh, of course Tass is like oh, where's leap and i'm like oh the devil yeah my friend's fixing it up now you're fine they're like oh you know about doubles all right well that's cool and i don't sense any hostility in this key so i'm gonna be passable in this conversation he's like are you a friend of miss charmy's and this person says, nah, I've never met the little glutton, so he must know who she is. He just says, well, he says, I know, I know Yami. Yes. So maybe they're pen pals. <laughs> I guess. He does say we were pals as kids, so maybe they just forgot to say pen pals. 
Uh, they're like, oh, wow, you're Captain Yami's old friend. He's like, yeah, last time I saw him was when he was 13, though. So it's been a while. <laughs> he stops. He's like, I bet he still takes long dumps, right? <laughs> it's a defining characteristic. It really, it really just has been become his define. Like the same way Kakashi re- read perverted books. Uh, <laughs> fucking Yami just <laughs> fucking takes dumps. <laughs> just oh, massive real steamers. Uh, he says, uh, hey, he was always a bossy mean mean eyed dude who got violent every chance he got. I'm like, oh, cool. So he's basically always been the way he is now. Uh, I know it's real bad, though. Moths. Throw one in him and watch him turn white as a sheet. So they just have some wacky conversation for a little bit. There's another character uh, who looks very stern as this conversation is happening. Uh, but Ass is like, oh, shit, I can't talk. Thanks for saving me. But I don't know where this is, but I have to get back fast. Versus like, oh, no need to stress about it. You're not in great shape, right? But I understand how you feel. You got your heart broken, then you got killed, almost killed, and then, you know, all by the lady you liked and the guy you look up to. That sucks. And Asta's just like, how do you know all this? He's like, ah, well, I can just see stuff is on. He points to his eye that's covered up by an eye patch. And he says, besides, my eye's telling me that if you go back now, you can't win. And you can't get back by yourself anyway. Uh, we see the person that was there gets up and they, they walk over to the window and they fling it open, revealing that Asta is in Wano, Nick! The Wano arc never ended! We're never still ended. there! Yeah, pretty much. Act four! The curtains open. I <laughs> know, <laughs> uh, this is the land of the sun, a foreign country a long, long, long way from your Clover Kingdom. And this is Ryuya Ryudo, the Shogun, and the guy in charge. Since you're here, get yourself more powerful right here, right now. Bom, bom, bom. This is a very bleach-ass feeling uh, development that has happened here. You know, just like Asta just wakes up in a new place and someone's like, I'm a new character. It's time to train you. Also, there's a lot of, you know, like, you know, feudal Japan looking stuff and someone who just looks like a shitty guy like with them and stuff so i i just got it is just kind of like giving me like oh this feels very bleach right now which is like it's fine it's i'm not saying you know anything critical like that um but uh yeah it's like all right so that that i mean it kind of does like fit because you know asta has inherited yami's sword so now it seems as though like the place the Yami came from is where he's going to get the source of his new power up and stuff. I don't really know why the Ojami doll looks a lot like Charmy. That's a weird note. Um, but uh, yeah, I uh, guess we'll see where this goes now. Yeah, I I, I, have not, I don't have too many things to say about it. It seemed like it was mm-hmm. fine. Let's close things out then by talking about One Piece, chapter 1059, The Matter Involving Captain Kobe. Okay. So, <laughs> so fuck Sabo. We don't have time to get back to that right now. We Thank God. Talk about Kobe. Thank God. The better Sabo, to be honest. There's so much to talk about in this. All right. So the first thing that happens is we stop with Marco, who is hanging out with Shanks for a little bit. Uh, and people are like, hey, are you, are you not going to join our crew? Marco is like, no. 
I do I'm love it. I fucking love that it's Shanks just being like, you're going to join. He's like, nah. And like Shanks being like, I'm not a handful. Tell him back. And Beck's like, yeah, no, nah, you're a handful. Just <laughs> <laughs> flies away. Uh, so Marco flies off. We get a flashback to explain that there was a bit more going on in that big goodbye that happened on Wano, especially involving Yamato and the Straw Hats. Turns out, guys, Yamato is a straw hat? Asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. Sure. In the same way Vivi has always been a straw hat. Pretty much. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so basically they're they're talking about, like, yeah, so that Woodsman guy attacked and someone's horrifically powerful hockey stopped him and that saved the country from being attacked. Kaido's not around. Guys like him are going to come here. So I can't just leave everyone behind. So, and I know that Luffy, you can't go adventuring if you have people that you're leaving behind that you're worried about. You know, it's the same for both of us. And he says, I was like, I want to be a part of your crew. So call me your crewmate. And Luffy's like, okay, I get it. I guess this is more reassuring for us as well to have you behind. So you take care of Mo and the others. And Yama says, yeah, I'll do that. Uh, and, uh, they, 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 they part on that. And Marco was around while this conversation was going on. Uh, it was basically, uh, I like how Yamato puts it as like, yeah, I'll make up some bullshit excuse to stay behind here too. Sure. Man. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, then Marco, uh, showed up and, you know, basically said, said goodbye to him. Uh, and uh, he's like, yeah, there's a ship that'll be that's passing by that we're just going to hitch a ride on, so bye. Uh, and uh, Luffy takes a moment to say, like, hey, you stayed me during the big Paramount War, didn't you? Thanks. It's like, oh, that's nice. Uh, and Marcos yeah. just says, I mean, we all just kind of, like, moved without really thinking about it. And he looks to Jinbei, and he says, why do you suppose that was? And Jinbei says, I mean, it happened so long ago, I, I just forgotten so hmm. uh and uh marco also says like i'm sure ace is glad that you've grown up so much luffy so like oh then we cut away from there to the present in amazon lily uh hancock's got a bandage on her forehead because she's been through battle and so she was injured in a very minor way. Which is amusing when you find out what that injury, like how that conflict happened. You're like, how did your forehead even get hurt? Yeah. <laughs> like, how did that even happen? Uh, Hancock uh, says, like, oh, the Navy will always come as long as I am here. Where am I to go? At this point, I just want to be married to Luffy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh, and I love how the others just like, I mean, that's that's how you always are anyway. So. so we get an explanation of what happened several weeks prior when we had the big, oh, all of the former emperors are being attacked by the Navy uh, on the Hancock end of it. So the Navy invaded Amazon Lily and they sent in the new Seraphim pacifistas to the fore. Uh, and this... Seraphim pacifistas that they send forward uh, looks like a little kid who has wings and fire coming out of the back of them. So 
hey, maybe that whole thing where we were introduced to a new race of people and stuff had a reason behind it. It looks like King was important to the story after all. Yeah. Um, and also there's someone who looks like <gasps> so. Uh, and at that moment, oh, well, the Blackbeard Pirates showed up after causing the huge earthquake and, you know, wrecking a bunch of the Navy battleships. What the hell? Uh, and then, and they just come out and Blackbeard just saying, I've come for your pirate empress. Let me have your power. <laughs> so, uh, that all is happening. Um, the Navy is still out there. So Blackbeard almost like dismissively just sends an earthquake out at them and blasts them all away. Calls for Hancock to come out. Uh, the, the Navy forces are still there. The ones that have like made land. Uh, Hancock is all, you know, defiant, of course. I, I, uh, I do have an important question. This is a fun One Piece question for me. Nick, uh, Blackbeard brought two of his crewmates along. Can you tell me the name of these two characters? No. Can you even give me a guess? No. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, long Nose and Other Long Nose. Good guesses. Uh, Catalina Devon and Basco Shot. Okay. Basco did actually kind of ring a bell, so, all right. Uh, so, however, uh, as Blackbeard approaches, some of his men cry out for assistance. They're like, nothing works against this one. And Blackbeard looks over and he's like, what the hell? White hair, brown skin, black wings. Did one kid beat you all? <laughs> A bunch of his men just have swords in their bodies. The little kid with the wings and the flame, uh, is there. And Blackbeard kind of looks and sees that there is something that says PX on uh, on their body and realizes, wait the hell, this is a pacifista. Uh, the pacifista attacks with a sword and cuts the mountain in half, which is pretty cool. Uh, and Blackbeard starts to get freaked out because the little kid attacks him. Even with armament hockey, he's getting pressed back. He uses his freaking black hole ability uh to get some distance meanwhile hancock uh is dealing with a bunch of the pirates and and sailors that have invaded her island uh petrifying them into stone uh and uh everyone's like shit we gotta stop the pacifistic because she's going to shatter literally everyone that's turned to stone kobe is freaking out about this he's like we gotta stop this stop this uh hancock starts to unleash another of her abilities but then things go bad and she winds up with just Blackbeard's hand around her throat, lifting her up. And Kobe is kind of in the middle of the two of them trying to sort out the situation and avoid a giant massacre because Hancock's ability has still turned everyone to stone. And even if Blackbeard takes away her devil fruit ability, then they won't return to normal. And it's not just a bunch of nameless officers, too. It's also, uh, Basco. There you go. Basco shot. And ca 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 Catalina. Catalina. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Also, also, Kobe's friend is paralyzed. What's his name? Uh, isn't that Helmeppo? Yeah. There you go, uh, Nick. Oh yeah, there he is. He's right next to him. Okay, yep. yeah. All right. So, but uh, Kobe presumably is fine because 
uh, he's strong, I think. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, Blackbeard's like, I'm going to take my powers and Hancock, <laughs> despite the fact that she's being choked and his blood coming out of her mouth, she's like, this power is nothing without my beauty. <laughs> Kill me and your followers remain petrified. Uh, and uh, Kobe's like, shit, she's way tougher than I thought that she would be. Uh, and uh, so they like, start talking to each other. And he's like, this is getting, this is getting us anywhere, is it, Kobe the hero? You helped me out in that rocky port incident. Thanks to you, I was able to topple Wang Ji, making me the boss of Pirate Island. If I let this woman go, you think she'll play nice and turn my men back? And Kobe's like, I mean, I need her to put my men back to normal, too. And Hancock promises that if they leave without causing additional trouble, then she'll do it. But Blackbeard's like, you're just going to try and turn us to stone. I don't believe you. Uh, and uh, he's like, I guess I just have to kill her. But Kobe's like, no, you're just going to doom all these people to death. Fortunately, at that moment, Silver's Rally shows up. It's like a whole uh, wild ass fucking second Marineford happens basically on this <laughs> island. <laughs> So, yeah, he, he comes out, uh, and Blackbeard freaks the hell out of Rally being there. Uh, and Rally starts talking down to him, calling him Whitebeard's cabin boy. <laughs> I always do love the dismissive ability he has over, over Blackbeard. Also, uh, just to pull back, the Rocky Port incident has been referenced again, and I'm like, we're going to have to get a flashback for this at some point to find out what the fuck that was, because so many things came as a result mm. of it, apparently. Apparently. Uh, so, Kobe also is freaking out because, holy shit, Silver's Rally is here. Uh, Rally asks Hancock to undo the petrification, and he says, like, I'll mediate everything. Nobody here overstepped their bounds. Just behave yourselves and quietly leave the island. Flashback ends, and so things worked out after Rally showed up. Uh, of course, uh, Shakuhaku is there with uh, with uh, with Rally. This is so obnoxious because throughout this chapter, they've done the little like inch like Poa Hancock, Marshall D Tech, and like I don't know why it's in this font that's so fucking faded. It's really hard like, to read. I legitimately. It was until someone else in our Discord mentioned something that I realized, oh, there's a little bubble that says that Shocky was fucking the former leader of the Amazons. Like Apparently, you're yeah. Like, you're like, what? Like, I didn't see it the first time because it just blends into the rock there. I didn't even see that there was text at that point. Yeah, so the elder was the emperor, the empress, and then Shocky, and then Hancock's mother, and now Hancock herself, apparently. So, okay. Just gonna, like, here we go. <laughs> was it Hancock's uh, mother? I thought she was a slave. Of the Kuja Pirates, though. Oh, yeah. It? Well, I don't know about the Kuja Pirates. I, don't, I, I honestly, I don't know. No, I, don't know. I, 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 I don't pay attention enough to their lore, unfortunately. All right. So, well, I mean, so that all has happened. And uh, so they established, like, oh, yeah, that was that would cause a lot of trouble. They say Vegapunk's Sea Prism Stone paddle ships mean the column belt isn't as safe for us as it was before. Uh, so they say, like, yeah, it was all really bad. Even Riley says, like, oh, yeah, it was, I mean, at, at my age, like, it wouldn't have been possible to, to save Hancock if it were by force. Uh, and, and me against Blackbeard, which is good of him to know. He was really just kind of relying on, like, you know, big dick energy, basically, in that situation. Uh, and on top of that, 
Now the Navy has new super powerful weapons, which apparently they're using as replacements for the warlords. And they say that one of the pacifistas, in particular one that the Amazons were freaking out over, looked basically like a child Hancock, except with like the dark skin and white hair. So what could that mean? Well, we also saw that there was one attacking uh, Blackbeard, and that one kind of looked like a, a young Mihawk. Yeah, I had the sword. Uh, presumably that was yeah the one that cut the uh, the mountain in half. So, so it looks yeah. like they've made baby monsters, basically. And that might be the thing that uh, Kuma was telling the uh, rebels uh, in the previous chapter. But uh, we'll see. And one last note before the chapter uh, ends is that, uh, yeah, Captain Kobe has been abducted. He's been kidnapped by the Blackbeard Pirates. So he didn't get out of that situation unscathed. Uh, Oh, no, Kobe's in danger. So, yeah, uh, there's like a ton of wild stuff in this chapter. Uh, it, It is somewhat interesting that blackbeard is now two for two in like completely emasculating prominent female characters like usually the only female character in an established group uh like single-handedly it's almost like his gimmick now it's (laughs) weird a little bit uh, not a great look but i I mean i do think the scene had a lot of tension to it and as a lot Mm -hmm. of people were there um but it is wild and like, hey, there's new evil children, warlord, fucking super robots that are angels, too. It's crazy. So, yeah, we shall see. Yeah, I thought this was a, this was a pretty uh, intense chapter. This was the kind of thing that I feel like a lot of big One Piece fans are, are like, just, oh, there's all this stuff happening. And when there's, there's just like stuff happening everywhere, they get really excited. And normally I'm just kind of like, yeah. But it involved the 275th and 358th most important characters in the series, so who cares? But in this case, it was like, oh, yeah, this is, like, all really interesting stuff. And, like, there's, it feels like there's, like, okay, no, this, like, changes the game board in terms of what's going on. And we're also finally getting a couple of answers to some of the incidents that are happening instead of just just being set up. It's like, okay, now I have an actual picture of stuff that's going on. Yeah. Good stuff. I think so. Absolutely. (laughs) All right, that's going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap this week, guys. Uh, let's name our favorites for this week. Quinn, favorite chapter and MVP? Uh, my favorite chapter I'm going to give to Chainsaw Man. It was just a very, very funny chapter, so I want to give it to that. Um, I really got to think of character, though. Yeah, um, there were some good things this week. I, I almost want to give it to PPPPPP. Uh, because of just how different it is with the the, vi- the visuals and the trippy uh, uh, delivery of it. Um, I think I am going to give it to Chainsaw Man as well, however, just because it's just so funny from beginning to end. And uh, like I said, when we were going over, it was unexpected, but yet made perfect sense while it was unfolding. Yeah. So very good stuff. Uh, Nick. Uh, thoughts on if I make Cure my MVP? <laughs> <laughs> well, it wouldn't be Cure, though. It hate, would be... High Long. It would be High Long, yeah. Uh, can you put High Long in there, then? I mean, if you make a Cure, 
Here's the worst character I've come across in a long time. Hi Lung, though. It's yeah. Hi Lung. Hi Lung's pretty sweet. It's 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 very similar to the Peter Ratchery is MVP this week because he sucked (laughs) so much basically. Um, I'm just trying to think. No one else really stood out that much. I guess if it's not that, I would probably go with Ginka maybe from Ginka and Luna. I thought was pretty decent. And I guess Mm. yeah, because I'm like it wasn't like that cool of a moment for fucking dot like his backstory <laughs> the the whole like lord of his race was fucking dumb so i'm not gonna give yeah. it to them uh i certainly can't give it to like anyone from one piece i guess blackbeard maybe but i don't know uh i'm going to give mine to sun because <laughs> oh, looks oh yes well. it should be sun god <laughs> yeah holy shit yeah change it to that that's way better so we'll have like three different asterisks on yours. <laughs> High Lung, who is actually LVP. Cross that out. <laughs> uh, the audience, by the way, uh, picked Klinka and Luna as their series of the week. And Puddin from Mashal as the character of the week. <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> it was it was a real contest this week for for character of the week, but Puddin squeezed out the votes. This is even more offensive than like if if we ever had a moment where like thank God we weren't doing like weekly manga recap when the the going merry went down because people would have made that their oh, character. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Why would it not have been? It was a ship naked. It was his crewmate. The pudding never talks to anyone, guys. It's not actually a character. It is an object. <laughs> I don't know how to tell you this. <laughs> oh, guys. All right. That is going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap. Thank you all for joining us. We record the show here on twitch.tv slash Wednesday evenings, usually starting at about 7.30 Eastern time. But to stay updated on exactly when the show goes live, follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are RoloT, Nick F. Time, and WMR Podcast. You can also join our Discord server, and we will also send out a uh, notification when the stream goes live there as well. Uh, on our Discord server, you can also hang out with our wonderful community, where there are bi-weekly game nights, uh, conversations whenever new chapters drop, so you can get excited for what's, uh, for what's going on uh, in the series that we cover. You can also talk about the recommendation that we've taken. Also, leave a recommendation of your own by following that to the Google Doc that is maintained by Ninja X3i that keeps track of all sorts of helpful statistics and history and uh, also our recommendations that might come up in the future uh, for the podcast. We would like to thank everyone who supports us over on patreon.com slash weekly manga recap. We can uh, join that, uh, subscribe and get some bonus content that uh, that we love to give you guys. Uh, and uh, you can also uh, just follow the show in all the different feeds where it is available. We're on youtube.com slash weekly manga recap for the video versions. Uh, weekly manga recap.podbean.com for the audio version. And you can also just listen to it on podcast feeds through Spotify and iTunes and stuff like that. And last but not least, we would like to thank Steve Mann, our target artist. You can check out his work on Twitter.com slash Steve Mann Art. And Milo Jack Stilitz and Wizardale Cheddar, who created the opening se- sequence for the video version of the show. Yes. All right. Well, that is going to do it for Manga Recap this week, everybody. I hope everybody enjoyed themselves. Um, I guess we're just going to head out. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Yeah.